0: What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody! We're all gonna get laid! And again it's picked up! It's Darius Leonard! A pick six for the Maniac! Touchdown! Ah, Yes, sir! Uh, oh the Double time! John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The oh, we
1: got to give a shout-out to Terra Dice. Terre Haute, Indiana, for the host, Indiana State. And our guest coming up at 5.30, Mitch Hanna is their head coach. But Keegan Watson from New Pal with that home run. A lot of local flavor, a lot of love for the state of Indiana. Indiana State going to the Super Regional. I could not be more proud of those participating in baseball at my alma mater. Baseball dudes were always really good dudes at Indiana State, too. Uh, Ruckman, Ruckman and I went back and forth all the time back then, but always really good dudes. I love seeing what is going on with Indiana State go on at Indiana State. Here's what's kinda of funny. I was noticing a lot of people that on the reg follow the sycamores baseball wise, because there wasn't a lot of great stuff said. I mean, even me, I thought, well, here we go. I'm gonna go hold I'm gonna jinx the entire program here. And I thought I did on Friday. They came from behind to beat Wright State. Uh, then got Iowa a couple of different times. Iowa the first time was come from behind. I guess essentially yesterday it was as well. It just wasn't as late in the game as a couple of the prior games had been. You know, that said, that's something we talked about last week with Mitch Hanna is this team being able to come from behind, this team hanging in there, grinding it out, and then getting something done late. We have seen a lot of that. And that has been impressive. We talked about last week, Evansville, in that championship game in the Mo Valley, in that first game, kind of rattling their cage a little bit. And... You know, talked about how that was good, and they had responded from that incredibly well to this point. So I'm just really happy. I'm happy for Indiana State um, because I obviously hold the banner up here. Always have and always will. I'm very happy for Terre Haute for what was a quality hosting job over there. When you have a team, like I'm probably not going, I'll watch it because it's on. I've always said this, when you have a team that's in something like this, it makes it even more special. So, obviously, if we didn't have a team that we're covering, I'll get to the other one coming up in just a minute, then maybe it wouldn't be as meaningful. I would probably still watch, but certainly wouldn't talk at great length about it. Man, it makes it even better. And you know me, when I talk up Indiana State, I do it with a reason. I went there, and I love it. I always have, and I always will. But it's it's necessary. Yeah, it's necessary. Yeah, because I was just, we'll talk to Jay Query coming up at the top of the hour, 4 o'clock hour, in fact. I think it was last week when I was off. I, I heard them. I was taking Blake someplace in the morning, and I think they were talking about the, like, Terre Haute stench or the smell. That did used to exist. It no longer does. But there are certain stigmas that Terre Haute has to battle, has to fight. And I'm right there fighting with it because I loved every single second I was over there. Loved it. And, of course, a lot of that had to do with the fact that I didn't have any responsibility whatsoever other than occasionally going to class. But I loved every second I was over there. And probably because most of the people that I knew growing up all also went to Indiana State. It was like a big high school for me or bigger high school, which it wouldn't have taken a lot to be much bigger than what I went to high school, but you kind of catch the drift. It was just a great time, and I love to see my university have this level of success, very enjoyable. So if you're paying attention later on tonight, if you're all of a sudden, and hopefully you are, and there certainly is room on the bandwagon, if you're all of a sudden a fan of the Sycamores, there is a lot of local flavor from around here that makes up that team. Yeah, I mentioned the Watson kid from the hit the home run from from out of New Pow. A lapel flavor on this team. But if you want to jump on the bandwagon, you can. Tonight'd be interesting because they could host the super regional if TCU beats Arkansas. Arkansas, the three seed, if they win, then Indiana State goes to Fayetteville. Uh if not, then TCU comes to Terradice which is outstanding, but it's interesting to see those that cover on the reg, Indiana State Athletics, and certainly in this case, baseball, is like anything. That's, that's what everybody, I guess, and I didn't do that. I don't really do that actually at all, but it is kind of funny. They're all looking for people that put Terre Haute or put Indiana State down on Twitter, and everybody is like swinging at everybody. It's pretty funny. That certainly happens. By the way, I think it's only on ESPN Plus later on tonight, but IU and Kentucky is going to be a brawl. When you get 2024 is when you get IU Kentucky in hoops finally again. Finally. I mean, I, <laughs> you just put your hands up and you go, come on now. Finally, get it again. But tonight in baseball. That will not be too shabby because it is evident by some HBPs and otherwise these two teams don't dig one another too much, even beyond the fact that, you know, Indiana, Kentucky, that stuff always transfers no matter what sport you're talking about. So I think it's ESPN Plus later on tonight. You know me. I don't know what I have to, what types of hoops I have to jump through to get this. And basically, if it's more than me, like hitting one button and then typing in a couple of numbers, then I go all right, and it pisses me off, and I leave. So, but ESPN Plus tonight, James?
2: Correct. Uh, actually, I was about to say, uh, IU and Kentucky playing basketball in 2025. 2022
1: more. Years. I got to wait two more years, James. Yep. Oh, I thought you were going to bust in there and tell me that there's going to be an easier way to watch IU and Kentucky in baseball tonight other than ESPN+. Plus. I think I have it on my phone. but Who knows? They started asking me for this and that and you know, do this and you need to develop a password. You know what? Your password's not adequate enough. Can you go ahead and give me a better password than the password you already have? And I just go, oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm done. I'll just follow you guys on Twitter. Glad you guys are jumping on that Sycamore's bandwagon. Do it. But no, true story, tonight, tonight should be fun. And you need some of that this time of year. There's nothing wrong with being invested. In fact, it is for the better to be invested this time of year in something because unless the Pacers are still playing, and basically they had been doing that, what, once? (laughs) In how many years and decades? They've been playing once this time of year, so it's fun to have something you're invested in this time of year. Hey, I like the Reds too, but, you know, the Reds last week, what were they, like three and a half games back to start that series with the Brewers? And then they just flushed themselves down the toilet over the weekend. I just kind of sit and wait for that. I love the Reds and all, but it's just kind of different when you're invested if it's your school. For example, all you IU folks out there, if you didn't get enough in getting behind the basketball team, if they didn't go far enough for you, then you'll get to call everybody out and make fun of everybody in terms of your baseball team getting over and going to the Super Regional, where I believe they would take on the winner of LSU and Oregon State. I've done ample research on this. Uh, both LSU and Oregon State, incredible, especially Oregon State as of late, baseball programs. LSU, one of the games that I did while I was attending Indiana State, we went on a tour of Louisiana over a spring break. I think it was in '93 and actually played a couple of games at LSU, I think I probably was the only person in the history of Indiana State broadcasting to ever do play-by-play of a baseball game from a payphone. It was incredible. And it wasn't a payphone that was like up in the press box, or it was like a payphone on the concourse. (laughs) I kept having to, at the commercial breaks, I, I kept having to pump, quarters into the payphone to keep it going and then finally i used my card during a break i had what is it um what were some of the long distance services back then i had an mci card was it mci i have no idea oh were you born yet what year are we talking i'm gonna start calling you tattoo by the way your tattoo <laughs> that's, that's from fine. now on tattoo it was like 1993 were you here with us no i was not oh, tattoo was yet to be here Tattoos get a very important assignment coming up on Friday. He's got to add more tattoos. How many tattoos will you have as of Friday? Uh, that will be number nine or number 10. Yeah, that's going to be nine or 10 more than I will ever have. And anybody, well, at least in my family wise, my son or daughter, I told you what I told them. Well, when they're 18, no, 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 not even when you're 18. If I am still breathing, If my heart is still beating and I still know, at some point, no. Well, wait a minute. What if they're 30? I don't care if they're 35. No. So 9 or 10, huh? Yes, sir. That's where James is going coming up on Friday. But, yeah, Tony asked if I have Hulu. I believe I have Hulu, Tony. And I think Lainey has Hulu in her bedroom. So what do I have to do there? Do I got to sign into something, fork over something, make a password up, or anything like that? Can't be too much for me. Remember it. But now seriously, going back to the LSU-Oregon State winner would be the competition of the Super Regional for IU, IU and Kentucky later on tonight. And you go back to 93, and I did... Mike Sorotka. do you remember that name? Mike Sorotka pitched most notably, I believe, for both the White Sox and the Blue Jays. He was the starting pitcher for LSU. Skip Berkman was the the manager, the coach, um, a legend uh, down in Baton Rouge, really across the country in baseball. Todd Walker, who played for a while for the Reds, played for a while for the Twins, was playing second base. Lyle Mouton. Was playing right field. He was really good. LSU was a talented team. But called uh, the LSU-Indiana State game in the spring of 93 from a payphone, utilizing, I believe, what was the long-distance carrying card that I had, MCI. Because we all had calling cards back then. See, James, you missed out on the calling card era. We all had calling cards, or you were calling collect. (laughs) Calling collect or a calling card. So IU Kentucky, if you can get it, by all means do so because that should be fun as hell later on tonight. Seems like a team that does not like one another very well and those make the best games. Especially when it's a win and you move on and a lose and you go home scenario. Great games. So college baseball around here has been excited. I mentioned this on Fox 59 with Hagan last night. This has been the best for baseball and softball here. It would seem locally, high school-wise, and then collegially. Because remember, Ball State also was a part. They got ousted. They're done. But Ball State was also a part of the college baseball playoffs down in Lexington. So it has been a really good spring for both softball and baseball around here. And you talk about it at the collegiate level. You talk about it at the high school level. It has been incredibly fun. I talk about it in terms, too, of individual play with Max Clark at Franklin, with Keegan Rothrock and Ron Colley. And what Ron Colley's about ready to do again. I mean, individually speaking, arguably the two best players in softball and in baseball reside, I mean, really originally from Johnson County, but reside at Ron Colley and at Franklin. That's pretty cool. So, yes, it has been a good spring for baseball and softball around here. Mitch is going to join us. He is the head coach of the Sycamores coming up at 530. I don't know if I've ever asked him this or not. Did you know that Mitch, once upon a time, was the president of Lincoln Trail? Did I bring this up to him ever? I don't think so. Lincoln Trail College is in Robinson, Illinois. He was the president of Lincoln Trail. Lincoln Trail in Robinson, Illinois, is the birthplace of what candy bar? I know we've gone over this before. Somebody has told me this. You remember? Nope. The birthplace of what candy bar? The Heath Bar. The Heath Bar was born evidently in Robinson, Illinois. I don't even know if I know what a Heath Bar is. It's the toffee and chocolate and sticks to your teeth Uh, for about a week. Okay, I recognize the package. Okay. The Heath Bar. and I know you guys are all going to give me jokes. Well, similarly, Robinson, Illinois is very similar to close to where I'm from, southwestern Indiana. So, you know, it didn't really matter if you ate a Heath bar because not anybody down there had teeth enough for it really to stick to them for a week. So it didn't matter. You guys have thrown that at me before, too. But yeah, Lincoln Trail. And Mitch Hannis joins us at 5 30. Trace Jackson Davis had a workout with the Pacers. I think he had five prior, right? Five workouts prior. And yeah, evidently, I know he had a meeting with the, the media. The masses were down there today to see the former Hoosier stand out, the former Misk Basketball and Center Grove Trojan. I think he can do some work. I think he can find a spot in a niche being left-handed, athletic, six-foot-nine. And here's my hope. I hope that he finds an already established team. That's what I hope. And he can, he can kind of play off the success of those around him. That's my hope. But we'll see how he did today, see how he has done so far, and what this entire process has been like for him. Trace is going to join us today, coming up at 5 o'clock. Evan Sidery of Basketball News, bottom of this hour. Last night, I'm going to tell you what. You say what you want about Miami. I, I can't stand Miami. They're fans. You know, remember syphilis and the Dracar brothers that would go in their heat jerseys here? Remember? Hans and Franz, we kind of made fun of them all the time. They would have stuffed me in a garbage can in five seconds, too. This goes way back, back to when the Pacers and the Heat and LeBron and the so-called Big Three with Bosh and Wade, and you had the two dudes that looked like they were probably body-soaked in Dracar wearing the Heat jerseys all the time. We made fun. We poked fun. So I'm not a big Heat guy, but I am a guy of watching that style of basketball. What they did in the fourth quarter was fun as hell. And I'm not rooting against Denver, and I'm certainly not rooting for the Heat. But what I am rooting for and hoping for is some solid basketball. That was fun to watch in the fourth quarter. Just on a dime. Like Sometimes when you talk about grinding teams, it's like one of those slow rolls, Right? It's like the Flintstones getting their car, their sedan, up to speed because you got to use your feet. So it's that slow roll to get everything going up to speed, up to tempo. But it was weird with this Miami team. It was like on a dime. Denver looked fully in control. And then all of a sudden, here comes the fourth quarter And Duncan Robinson's shooting it like when they sign Duncan Robinson and what they expect him to do when he gets some open looks. And then when he buries a couple of looks, there is nothing better. Nothing better than watching defenses completely foobar itself when a shooter is running around out there trying to get open. When a defense completely ties itself in a knot trying to cover somebody that you know already is a really good shooter, but clearly is in a zone right now. That's fun. You may not see this because when it's somebody more athletic and somebody goes to double, I guess we get used to that. But if you watch off the ball, Duncan Robinson run around, especially after he makes his first or makes one of his first three. And it is known that you have to stay with him. You have to stay close to him. You have to stay tight. Watching defenses just corkscrew themselves into oblivion is hilarious. There has got to be something. I've never talked to the dude. I'd love to ask this question. There has got to be something that is incredibly redeeming. Something that you can absolutely love. And it's not even about you making, it's about defenses that scramble with your presence. And it's not like we're talking about not talking about LeBron James or Giannis or Jokic. You're talking about Duncan Robinson, but there is no player on that floor that will screw with the defense and make them look bad more than he does. Because it's almost like you're conditioned to go, yeah, you know what? I don't even have to worry about this. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Wait a minute. I do have to guard this guy. Hold on. Uh, Then you get some of these awkward closeouts. You get two guys going to one another, and then one guy late going out to cover Robinson. That is fun to watch to me. Been a good time. I don't like the heat. But this series now, even a game apiece in the best of seven, that is enjoyable basketball, and that's what we're all looking for this time of year. And then you have to take a break of about three days, and they'll play again coming up on Wednesday. (laughs) That's the way that the finals are right there. Now all of a sudden you got to wait for a long period of time. Kind of the way that it is. Wednesday, best of seven, even at a game apiece. Rashad Rashard Perryman's kind of weird. Everybody thought that he was going to be not quite can't miss, but when he came out and was drafted, everybody thought, and, you know, me being a crazed wide receiver fan, I thought, yeah, whatever, anybody. His career has been awkward. His career hasn't been anywhere in the neighborhood, the ballpark in which nfl people thought it was going to be and before you challenge me for getting overzealous overexcited and before i point the finger at you for doing the same i do realize this dude has like 20 catches in the past two years so what they're doing if it wasn't a name wide receiver if it wasn't somebody you knew then you'd be going yeah whatever Seriously, if you look at the stats and you didn't hear the name recognition going along with it, you'd go, yeah, whatever. But in this case, it's got it. So you're asking me, why did they do it? Just testing? Is that the greatest example? People use this all the time. I rarely do. But people use this description often called kicking the tires. Can you Google... That old saying, kicking the tires, because I've never really understood it. And by the way, I worked in tires back in the day. And not one thing that kicking the tires ever did that said, oh, yeah, you know what? Those are really good tires. I'm going to kick it. I'm going to see how they are. But it's called kicking the tires. And that is a common sports term. Uh, if you will, that is used. And kicking the tires, I guess, would be evident to what I believe that the Colts are doing with Perryman right now.
2: Uh, when I when I look up "kicking the tires," the yeah. first thing that comes up it says "kicking the tires" is a colloquial expression that refers to performing minimal research into an investment.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute! That sounds like the three hours of this show. Hold on <laughs> a second. We're going to start calling this show "kicking the tires," the JMB. Um. Well, in in terms of sports, it is, all right, this may not work out, but let's see. There's a chance, probably a great chance this won't work out, but let's take a look. Or from those of you that are also like me that grew up in a rural area, it can be called, what the hell might as well. What the hell might as well. Got this guy from three until six every day going, eh, blah, blah, blah. Wide receiver this and wide receiver that. If it were me, I'd have 50 wide receivers on this team. Wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Maybe we can shut him up for like five minutes. Thank you. Jim McCann says, kicking the tires is checking the quality. So that would be the reason why. I think you start With Perriman, for example, does he even make the team? And I think you can also factor that in. I have a promo that is here, and he was a good conversation. Isaiah McKenzie from the Bills is probably, although his production was better than that, he's probably in a similar position. He is a rookie, and you you may come to a point where do you really need him? Is it going to be worth it? Can you build and get somebody you like in camp and then, you know, go ahead and not have to pay this for a veteran guy, go ahead, whatever. So to a degree, McKenzie, although he does have certainly more production to back up the interest that they had inside of him back in March by kicking the tires. Is what you're doing on Perryman. We'll dive into that coming up a little bit later on, too. Jake Query at 4 o'clock. Jake was up in uh, the toilet yesterday. I'm sorry. There is just no way. There is no way that anything is going to live up. It is such an incredible bummer when the 500 is gone. And it doesn't matter if it was the toilet or if it was Texas, as it used to be or if it was Iowa, wherever you go is going to be a downer. It's the way that it is it's going to be a downer. And that's kind of how I felt yesterday. And with everything that was kind of going on, I almost had to be reminded that this thing was happening. And that is coming off an absolute fever pitch of fun that we had had over the course of, Of Indy 500 weekend, starting on Friday with Carb Day and on through the race itself, it is—it's an absolute cliff that you fall off of afterwards. It is a cliff, and I want everything to succeed. I want these races to succeed. I want IndyCar to succeed, but it's just done afterwards. I'm not even, I could sit here and make fun of Michigan and the toilet all I want, but it's really anywhere. After the Indy 500, and you can make the argument whether you like the ending or not, that had an ending, an exciting ending. Yeah, after that, seems like a lot of interest is lost. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it when something, especially around here, is just so incredibly popular. And then all of a sudden you have a you know have an off day, Memorial Day. You're back to work on a short work week, and really the last thing you might be thinking about is that. We'll talk to Jake about that coming up at four o'clock today too. He also had a take on the Diamond Chain Factory that they're going to remove where the Indy Elevens going with their new digs down there. They're very poltergeistish, I thought earlier today. Weird. I'd never heard that story. I thought I'd heard a lot of the stories around here. That was one I'd not heard. We'll ask Jake about that coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour. We got anything to give away? What do we got?
2: Tattoo, what's happening? We have got Laughing Matters tickets. Laughing Matters. We also have 50-cent tickets to give away as well.
1: Whoa, the club. All right. So that's not not, uh, 50-cent. And Jeff Foxworthy together. No, no, they are separate shows. All right, separate shows here. Laughing Matters with Jeff Foxworthy tickets coming up and 50 Cent tickets also coming up for you. Alright, 239-1070 number. Email address, jmv 1075thefan.com Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. I'll crack that open coming up in just a little bit too. We have a busy show for you as I mentioned. Mitch Hannis, the head coach of Indiana State. They are super regional bound. Trace Jackson Davis of IU worked out for the Pacers today. Jake Query and Evan Sidery of Basketball News all still to come and your chance to win and so many ways to listen and maybe even watch inside the lounge via YouTube Live and participate. The stream, the app, HD radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: The Ride with JMV. My vision is to take this team as the first franchise to the Saturn Football League to play against eight-foot gargoyles that run 3-8 speed. 93.5 and 107.5. The
1: Fan. I'm sure Ballard's on the way right now with that assessment. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. I wanted to bring us back with a uh, little paradise in honor of uh, dice Well done, Terra Haute, for that regional hosting. And here's hoping a Terre Haute gets a super regional. Horn Frogs get it done tonight. The head coach of the Sycamores, Mitch Hannis joins us at 5:30 today IU Kentucky for an opportunity at a super regional of their own and uh, that winner would take on the winner of LSU and Oregon State. So a lot still to be decided in terms of collegiate baseball coming up later on tonight. Sure, we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. Trace Jackson Davis, Jake Query also still to come. Your chance to win a variety of things. We'll get back to that in a second inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I will log on with you folks coming up in just a second. Meantime on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline for Basketball News. Evan Sidery and Evan, before we dive into draft conversation and trade this and trade that. So in Phoenix, was it Vogel over Doc in this case? How did all that go down?
2: Yeah, very interesting how it all shook out in Phoenix with Frank Vogel getting the Sun Tech job. I know Adrian Wojnarowski said that it was between Doc Rivers, but from what I heard out in Phoenix, it was between him and Young, the associate head coach, for that opening, which I think makes a lot of sense. Kevin Young stayed on as the assistant head coach, could be the highest-paid assistant coach in the NBA next year, over $2-plus plus million per year. But they love his offensive mind. They love his creativity. So it's down to him and Frank Vogel. I think with Frank Vogel, his defense, his championship experience one out in the end there. I think for Frank, too, to go from the Lakers to this opening in Phoenix, I mean, it's a fantastic opportunity to get another championship for him.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. does that speak to the volume in which Frank Vogel can deal with the um, elite-level superstar type of players today? Is that kind of a, a tip of the cap of what they need, what they expect out of him with that particular group?
2: I think so. I think it's just holding the star players accountable. Like we saw in 2020 when they went on that run, to the championship in the Orlando bubble where Anthony Davis and LeBron James are very locked in defensively, especially LeBron James. We know he can kind of take possessions off here and there. But that, that defense Frank Vogel had, they were number one defense multiple times over his stint there. As we all know, in Indiana with Roy Hibber, he helped develop him into one of the best centers in the NBA and uh, overall one of the best defense in the NBA while he yeah. was here in India. I think overall what Phoenix needs, they have Devin Booker, they have Kevin Durant, two elite scoring players. You just need defense, you need shooting around those guys. I think Frank Vogel, at least from a philosophical standpoint, Certainly makes sense there. So I love the
1: fit, honestly, for Vogel there. Evan Sidery of Basketball News with us. All right. So I, I do. We have this thing called YouTube Live, right? And it runs, and people can get in there and and, and talk to one another. And, you know, we can see it. It's a really cool way. And I, I kind of get in there uh, before this show and, and try to warm up the audience a little bit before I go on. And just as I went in there, I had to hear uh, both uh, Jimmy um and will that we're hosting the noon show here go on and on about the bargaining chip trade-wise that miles turner continues to be are we not over this yet i thought we were over this and we're going to dive right back into this in the next couple of weeks and then certainly as we move into free agency forthcoming nba wise in this offseason
2: yeah, I'm with you there, John. I think the Miles Turner trade talks are a little overblown now at this point. Internally, the Pacers love Miles, what he brings. I think the Miles entering last year was how's he feel been in the math and How does he feel with all the young four players? And it seems like he fits fantastically. Career best year offensively. We all know he's a great rim protector too. Fits very well in the offense with Tyrese Halliburton as well. Great contract, too. I mean, you look at Miles Turner's contract in the next two years. $20 million, $21 million this year, upcoming, then $19 million the year after that. Super cheap compared to a guy like DeAndre Aiden, for example, $35 million per year the next three years. I, I think the Pacers definitely are very happy looking back on it now that they've put the that contract and allowed them to keep Miles Turner in the building here. He's certainly a better fit than what he showed with DeAndre Aiden. Aiden, that contract looks terrible now. So I think, at least now, unless we see a regression with Miles Turner this upcoming season, I don't see why he'd be shopped around this offseason, unless for a really premium draft Let's say top five, top ten, you get one of those picks for Miles Turner. But I doubt that. I think Miles is. The, I think the fit with him and the young core is fantastic too. Hey, hey, Evan, hold
1: on one second. I'm going to put you on hold. See if he can adjust his phone situation there. See if he can, if he's in a spot to where he can stand still, because he's moving in and out. And I want to make sure people hear what he has to say right here. Evan Snyder, basketball news via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And yeah, again, to me, more so than anything else, is, well, actually, it's two things. One is you got a bad defensive team. I don't know how much worse you want it to get with this so-called bargaining chip. And secondly is, I think Evan alluded to it as well, the guy that everybody loves around here, the guy that's going to be the future of this team with the basketball in his hands, loves Miles. I don't know if you want to go breaking that up. So, yeah, tell him to stand on one foot in the corner of wherever he is to make sure that he has a clear signal to us because Evan's signal was borderline fubarish right there. Back with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We all good here?
2: Should be, yeah. Do I, am I coming in great?
1: You're, you are. You are now. But, no, as I mentioned, as you guys were fixing that just a moment ago, is – it's two things to me. I mean, this Pacer defense was horrific a year ago with Miles, and I th- certainly you want to keep that. And then something that you alluded to that I also believe is how much that Halliburton likes him. So to me, I, I, even if you're trying to trade up, I guess, what I don't know, how far could you get up with Miles? Who knows, I guess. To me, it just doesn't make a great deal of sense.
2: No, it doesn't, and especially with what they're trying to do this upcoming offseason where they're really committing to getting guys that can defend and that can shoot around Tyrese Halliburton and around this core of players. And I don't think this team is as far off as many think around. I think maybe Pacers fans kind of realize that too, but I think people outside the state of Indiana – I don't think realize how good this Pacers team was when Tyrese and Miles were playing together last season. They had a 45 one pace last year when those guys were sharing the court together. And I think we've already seen and Tyrese can uplift this young core into being a top-10-like offense immediately just based off how good of a point guard he is setting everyone up there. But defensively, if you want to make a huge step next year, which is their goal, you have to keep Miles around. You have to let him be the rim protector. I think the big thing to me is trying to find guys that fit next to Miles in the four spot there. There's multiple guys in the draft that could fit there as far as being pro defense guys, good shooting players, too. I think that's going to be really what I'd be looking at here is trying to find guys that actually fit around Miles and trying to get off him. Because I think Miles Turner now, we saw last year and we're looking ahead now. His contract and his talent, I think he's actually underpaid yet again after his big contract bump this last season, getting $35 million from the Pacers. But now that contract, $21 million, $19 million, that is a great, great contract for a player nowadays.
1: I don't want to see them get on this treadmill of, you know, we have assets now and we're going to trade some assets to get assets further down the road because you'll continue to asset yourself to death and not make the progress – That is necessary. That's the part I don't want to see. And to me, that is a common pitfall that can occur if you're talking about rebooting, and then all of a sudden in that year, you kind of find something you believe in, and maybe you are a little bit better, as you mentioned, than what people thought you were going to be, and you kind of build off that. I, I just don't want them to start trading assets and accumulating more assets and continue to go down that road for the next three or four years to finally get good, because to me... They're already on that path. You just kind of build it for the now and then draft somebody at seven or wherever you end up going there inside that lottery and uh, utilize those picks in different fashions okay. I just I don't want to see them hamstring themselves by continuously looking for the longer-term future.
2: Yeah, I think for Pacers fans especially, I think it's going to be an exciting time because from, based off what Kevin Percher said, it's just – years to get to 45 plus wins to make the playoffs to go from 35 to 45 wins and make that important jump that we've seen so many teams make uh, kind of trading miles or kind of trading off your best players there we're kind of be going completely against that idea they're they're building up internally there i think it'd be more so you see young guys that might not fit the exact rotation anymore like an isaiah jackson or a jalen smith does chris duarte fit into the puzzle now with Benedict Mather and emerging last year. I think those kind of guys, plus maybe some future picks, could maybe be the guys you look at to consolidate off of and improve this roster because the Pacers have been saying all along the last couple months here, I think they're kind of done rebuilding. I think they're really ready to push those chips in, whether it be the seven pick, whether it be a, a, other young players in this roster because they're not that far off. I think Tyrese Halliburton kind of showed this past year that he's an all-star level player, one of the best Play, making point guard in the NBA, and you put the right pieces around him. I think you're in a really good spot.
1: Evan Sodery joins us. So, who's lurking around seven with what you think is going to be availability that could be a piece that could give them help sooner rather than later?
2: Yeah, I think the, it's kind of crystallizing here, John, where it's kind of four players that I'm looking out for at number seven. And it, it's guaranteed one will be there potentially too, and that would be Cam Whitmore. Though Villanova, who came in last week for a workout. Yeah, reportedly impressed them as well in that workout. I think he makes a lot of sense for them at the three-four spot. Good shooter, very athletic as well. Upside gamble with him, but he definitely has the ceiling to merit that kind of selection. Asar Thompson, the brother of Ahmed Thompson, who's going to probably be cl- picked close in that three-to-four range. But Asar Thompson, more of a wing than a point guard. Six-seven-seven seven foot wingspan. Questionable shot though, but he's a great defender. He'll he'll be in that six-to-seven range. And then two guys that make a lot of sense to me as far as positionally and long-term for this team at the power forward spot, Jairus Walker of Houston and Taylor Hendricks of Central Florida. I think those guys make a lot of sense at number seven overall. Walker and Hendricks both averaged over two and a half steals and blocks per game last year. Hendricks is a better shooter, but Walker also can shoot the ball as well a little bit. So I think those two guys would certainly keep an eye out for at number seven with Walker and Hendricks. You could probably have both those guys start day one as a power forward next to Miles Turner Create a really good defensive duo with those two guys next to Miles as well. Or maybe it's one of those upside swings with an SR Thompson or a Cam Whitmore. It kind of feels like one of those four guys, if they stay at seven, will probably be a pacer in the end. It just
1: kind of seems like to me Walker has more of a grown man type of build right now and would be yeah. more ready made to play quicker than a lot of others that you're talking about here.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's six foot eight. I just a little smaller for a power forward type, but he's 240 pounds, which is some of the pacers don't have on the roster at all kind of reminds me, if you're looking for a comparison build-wise, he's more of a David West type of build, where you remember David West on those peak Pacers team, 6'8", 6'9", 240-plus pounds. Jairus Walker's kind of a very suited up version of David West, where he could be an elite defender, he can hit that jump shot, he can playmake as well. He's a guy that you could slot in next year under this Pacers team, let's say, give you 12 to 13 points per game, a couple steals, a couple blocks, hit the three-ball a little bit at times. I think they're looking more so towards fits on this team, and it, you really can't find a much better fit than what the Pacers need at defense especially than a guy like Jairus Walker. I think he definitely makes a lot of sense there. It's,
1: uh, Evan Sidery, basketball news with this via the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. So how active, and I know we're uh, two weeks and a couple of days prior to the draft, how active trade-wise are we going to see it around the NBA, and then you know, how active do you expect this offseason after that to be?
2: I think it's going to be very, very, very busy with the pitchers or everyone else because with this new CBA going into agreement this upcoming season and then with a lot of the collective bargaining for salaries, as far as keeping more than multiple max salaries in the roster at the same time, it's pretty significantly as far as not being able to use tax exceptions on certain free agents, not being able to pick up guys in the buyout market. I'm going to be seeing a lot of teams making a lot of aggressive moves to get off contracts, to add contracts to kind of figure out where exactly they fit into this new C B A because hard capping really experienced a hard capping NBA for a very long time here, but that second apron that the NBA put into place there around hundred and eighty five million dollars, you cross over that, you're penalized significantly as far as being able to reach their roster. So I think we're gonna see some teams move off some guys and also add in some guys there too. So I expect a lot of movement this summer here. And as far as the pacers go on the draft pick front, they had five uh, this upcoming draft, Kevin Pritchard has mentioned
1: before, they don't want to use a Yeah, hey, I, I tell you what, I, I apologize for that, Evan. You go ahead and tell Evan we'll have to work on the phone next time because he was fading away right there pretty bad. I don't know what it is. Hey, Evan, yeah, tell him we'll get him on next time too. We'll make sure he's solid as a rock the entire time because that's stuff we want to hear. Evan Sidery of Basketball News with us via the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. It was getting a little ragged there toward the end. Is this true? Did I see this accurately? And I mentioned yesterday, Indiana State moving to the Super Regional, taking on the winner of Arkansas and TCU, which played at night. They knocked off Iowa. And this was a tweet that was sent out last night. Iowa has hit more batters 10 tonight than they did passing touchdowns all last football season seven. Is that true? I'm going to tell you, it seems like the college baseball in some of these games can be one huge hit-by-pitch. True. Evan Sidery, Basketball News, Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. We'll uh, edit out the parts in which he kind of faded away there, but certainly we'll want to use that resource as we get closer to the NBA draft. All right, top of the hour, Jake Query, Trace Jackson Davis, 5 o'clock hour. Mitch Hannis, the head coach of Indiana State, also in the 5. Foxworthy tickets. Fifty sit tickets all still to come. Don't leave. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. They're active in there right now. And 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
0: The Ride with JMV. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
1: All right, this is from Darren Ravel of the Action Network. That, of course, is a uh, betting site where he gets this information from something called Sports Handle. A player for the Colts is under investigation by the NFL for placing wagers on his own team. The investigation has found evidence that this player, who was on the Colts' active roster, placed hundreds of wagers, that is in quotations, hundreds of wagers, a source told the publication, again, I'm reading this from Ravel's Action Network page. No other member of the Colts was involved in these wagers, the publication reported. Sports Handle source regarded the player's wagering activity as pervasive. As of today, the identity of the player has not been released, and we are awaiting clarification on whether he placed bets On or against the Colts? Again, that is an update within the last 10-plus minutes from Darren Ravel's Twitter handle, which oftentimes I can't take, but this nugget of information certainly needed to be passed along. A player for the Colts under investigation by the NFL for placing wagers on his own team. And that originally was a report from Sports Handle as of today. And again, that investigation found evidence that this player who was on the Colts active roster placed hundreds of wagers. A source told the publication, no other member of the Colts involved in the wagers, the publication reported. So that is where it is. And we'll see if we can't track anything else with that down. Uh, Darren Ravel had it. Uh, here's another one right here, too. C. Fetch sent this to me. A Colts player is being investigated for gambling on games, and there's evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts. Per, as I mentioned earlier, Sports Handle, the player is not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. Not a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. So we shall see where that goes. I'll bring this up to Jay Query coming up here at the top of the hour. Again, Sports Handle originally had that. Ravel took off with it with the Action Network, and now a lot of folks, especially in terms of those that follow wagering and sports gambling, have this story and are running with it as well. Uh, J Query top of the hour. Trace Jackson Davis, Mitch Hannis, also still to come. Hour two straight ahead with your chance to win as well. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I know you all are guessing right now. A lot of guesses. Ninety three five and one zero seven
0: five. The fan. The ride with JMV. And the beat goes on. Yeah. And the beat goes on. Ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan.
1: All right, here it is again. It's started with the. Sports Handle and then Ravel got it through the Action Network and it's making the rounds. Uh, A Colts player is being investigated for gambling on games and there's evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts. The guy's name is Matt Rye Good luck with that one of Sports Handle. The player is not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. Now, is it the average fan of the NFL or the average fan of the Colts? The average fan has likely heard of him. Yeah. I, you wondered if it's a matter of time that this hits... With this team or your team or whatever. But that is the latest. We'll continue to follow that story via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline for the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. And IMS, the radio network, up in the toilet over the weekend for that race after the 500, up in the toilet yesterday, in fact. Jake Query joins us. Um, Is it cynical? Cynical? to believe that it kind of feels like now with the way that sports wagering is just raging in most places in the United States now that it was going to be a matter of time before something like that hits the locker room of your favorite team?
3: No, I don't think it's cynical. I think it's realistic. And let me, let me say this, John, I, I do think this is true. Um, only because I, I actually got tipped and I hate to say that because it sounds absurd, but kind of along the lines of the Andrew Luck snowboarding, you know, remember when you guys had that right from like an Uber driver and then turned out it was true. So a buddy of mine who I know pretty well and certainly have no reason to believe he would ever be anything other than honest, sent me a thing today that was like, Hey, here's what I've heard reliably. And And he gave me some pretty specific details. Didn't name the player, but I'm 99% certain it is a defensive player. And all I was told was a defensive player who had a great opportunity in front of him. Now that, that's all I know. Um, and, but once Darren Ravel sends it out, then you start thinking, okay, okay, you know, there's, and I had, I will say, I talked to a few other people who then told me, yes, this appears to be credible. This appears to be true. Now the thing to me that's interesting is, you know, the, the whole sports gambling thing, you know. Listen, I, I've I've known people who've been caught up in that as a player. I mean, I've known, and the the level of egregiousness of it, if that's a word, has varied over the years. I mean, it seems like now, you know, certainly from you know, in most states, sports gambling is legal, so it's a very gray area for certain. Um, you know, my understanding is players can use an app so long as they're not using it from within the confines of the building and on the sport that they play. It's, I mean, there's a lot of gray area to it. But you know, a lot of these, the amount of money that is exchanged in sponsorship and whatnot with the different apps, it, again, it becomes a gray area. But um, I, I do think that it is just based on the percentages and law of averages it would stand to reason that eventually this is going to be more and more common that you hear of players getting involved.
1: Yeah, I, that's that's the, the first thing that I thought when I heard that. And then, yeah, we're we're trying to to figure it out, at least in our minds right now. And people are sending me uh, what they think and whatnot. I'm assuming that it'll come out. You think it'll be out here by the end of this show? I, my
3: understanding is that – it was going to be released within 72 hours is what I was told. So 72 hours from when I can't say, I I don't know that because I don't know when the Colts were officially notified. But my understanding was the Colts had to make a decision in terms of their action on it within 72 hours. I want to be very clear that I didn't get that from anybody within the Colts that, but, but what I heard kind of slowly is being proven to be credible. So if that's the case, then I would anticipate certainly probably by tomorrow's show, we're going to know, right?
1: Oh, I would assume so, yeah. I, I would I would think with the way things are active now that you probably will end up having a name by 6 and, o'clock. And happens
3: so fast, so, right, John? Like, yeah. Like anymore, you know, in the old days you would get tipped on something and you try to do your due diligence and then, you know, you got a day or two to, to nail everything down. And then today, and it's, I, I, I want to make sure that people understand this, I know this is the case with you and it is with me as well. You and I are old and tired, man. Like the chasing and breaking stories is the, is the young man's game, right? Like, I don't think that you and I are out to like be the big source of breaking news all the time, but we have a responsibility. If we're told of something to find out if it's, if there's merit to it, um, but but certainly in today's day, between the time that when something leaks and the time that we find out whether it's complete BS or verified is usually a very short amount of time. It doesn't take
1: very long. No, in in this case, it's it's not going to either. So, and, and you had you had mentioned it was it, it was a an unnamed player, according to the person talking to you, that I, did you say bright future ahead of them? Is that what was said to you?
3: A good opportunity. Good
1: opportunity. Those. I'm sorry. Yeah.
3: Everybody just gave me a name, and I have no idea how how verify, you know, how, how legit it is. So, um, if it's the name that I was given, then it's you know a player that that showed some promise, uh, and we'll see. Let's just put it that way. Gotcha. So I'm assuming. And I hate to be that bag. Yeah. I just you know we got to be protected. Well, also, I mean, right? well, I mean,
1: I'm, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out here and stop flopping names around here on the air. So we're not yeah, doing that. that is, but I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't do that for anybody. So much less you know people that uh, we cover on a daily basis here that'd be unfair to uh, to those that had no involvement but at the same time it, you kind of start thinking about all right so whomever this is further down the road um you're going to get something like we saw with Calvin Ridley I guess right some type of punishment to that level forthcoming yeah
3: you know he and I, again I don't know how they police it I have no idea what the parameters are or the guidelines are in terms of does it matter on how many, you know, whether it's your team or how much the amount is? I I have no idea how that works, nor would it be probably a good idea for for either one of us to try to figure that out, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it just felt like a matter of time for everybody. I think everybody's team's going to go through this because it's just it's too damn easy, you know, just too easy. So, and it's. Sometimes I guess you uh you think you can get by with it and you can't, and it being that easy, I think we all kind of knew Jake it was a matter of time,
3: no argument here no no disagreement i mean it's and you know it may be we'll see if it's you know it may not be an isolated incident it may who knows you know i mean there's just there's just no way to know man, there's no way to know.
1: So once again, in case you're just joining the conversation we're having right here and you wonder, well, wait a minute, this is a little bit vague. We're not being vague purposely. We're being, I I guess, somewhat vague because we don't know. There have been various reports. This all began with a sports Twitter handle called at sports handle. I'm assuming it deals with wagering and certainly got passed along to the action network. And that is Darren Ravel, where he works uh, exclusively with sports wagering and a lot of dumbassery on there too, but some sports wagering uh, he concentrates on there. Uh, And the story goes as follows a Colts player investigated for gambling on games. And there's evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts. The player is not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. So that will lead to some guessing, and then probably an answer will come out here relatively soon, Jake, and I both agree with that. There we are.
3: There we are. Again, just to be clear, in no way, shape, or form is it my intention or yours, John, to be coy about a name, but out of respect. To players and everything else i don't think that responsibly it's worth saying any names until we have verified proof that that is the player involved and i do not have verified proof of who the player is thus it is not in our best interest to throw names out
1: nah i would hope that nobody would do that in any market anywhere to be honest with you but uh on the internet, that's not going to have. It doesn't mean that on the internet. On the internet, and on Twitter, everybody's throwing everything around right now. But uh, I'm just going off of what you said because I hadn't. Uh, I, I I had obviously seen this story, but I have not heard it to the level in which you have just shared. So,
3: interesting stuff for certain, you know. And you know what? Now that I think about it, John. Yeah, I think it is possible that by the time you're off the air, there will be a release. <laughs> I, I don't mean a player release. I mean a release, meaning a statement.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and in, in, in the Colts will probably fast come to address this. Um, in, let's see. Uh, this is from Joel A. Erickson, a Colts statement on the report of betting allegation against a player, quote, we are aware of the NFL's investigation. We will have no further comment at this time. So that was in the last 11 minutes, a statement from the Colts.
3: Can you say that one more time, John? I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, uh, it was from Joel A. Erickson and his twitter account a cold statement on the report of betting allegations against a player we are aware of the nfl's investigation we will have no further comment at this time
3: that speaks volumes yeah i mean that verifies that there's an
1: investigation well i mean yeah i mean it's that's it's it's somebody's somebody's ass is going to be in a proverbial sling here relatively soon is what that means but I mean, when you yeah. say
3: we are aware of the investigation, that is verifying that, in fact, there's an investigation. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Right. Some Somebody's in deep trouble here relatively soon. So, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what that says. I to laugh
3: at that, but yeah, that is a fair <laughs> summary, yeah.
1: It, it is. Anyway, it's a Jay Query with us for the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday mornings from 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. Brashard Perryman, so they ended up inking the veteran-wide receiver – uh, that has has been a bust at that position. And people note me for always wanting to bring in wide receivers. And I note those that constantly use this cliche, kicking the tires, as this being, I think, the best example of what the Colts are doing with Perriman right now. Because this dude may not be anywhere near close to this roster in week number one, but they're Kicking the tires on a guy that had a great deal of talent that has since never lived up to it.
3: Yeah, listen, I, I don't have a problem with it, right? I mean, at this point, it's June, right? It's June, so you, you you see what's out there. You try to get yourself some depth. You know, they've had guys in this situation that was a you know that, that basically was a swing and a miss. Darius Hayward Bay comes to mind. They've had other guys. Who was the guy, John? I just completely spaced on his name. Late year sign. Played at Virginia and was a really good player like three or four years ago and had a, had a really good second half of the season for them. Um, ended up going to the Bears. Good Lord. It's going to drive me nuts. Played collegiately at Virginia. But anyway, I can't remember what it, who it was. But, but you know, the reality is at this point, what is there to lose really, right? I mean, they, they, this is the thing about that situation. We sit there, and when I say we, I just mean Colts fans, Colts media, everything in general. We hem-haw and jump up and down about the fact that they never addressed the wide receiver position. Then they decide to go out and and take a flyer and just give a once-over on a guy at a receiver position to see if maybe there's something there that they can get at a minimal cost. Okay, fine. Right? So which is it? Are we going to be upset that they never address it, or are we going to nitpick which addresses they make? So I don't have a problem with it. It's June – you test it out. You see what's out there. You go through camp with it, and you find out whether or not,
1: you know, the guy can play. Yeah. That's, um, and yeah. Uh, again, you look at the, the past, then, yeah. Dontrell
3: Inman is who I was trying to think of, by the way. Dontrell you you don't a, Inman. Don't get old, man. All of a sudden, stuff starts to escape you, especially like 12 hours after you woke up. But then again, do people realize that, that you- Don, Dontrell
1: like, Inman, like, like, saved that position season totally. a couple of years totally, ago, I know. whenever I've, it was. Are you, like, are you a farmer? Because you're
3: up at, like, 5 a.m. Like, I am. wake up at 6, and it's, like, missed call. I'm like, man, like, <laughs> I'm impressed. Like, do you get up and bale hay? Like, what are you doing at 5 a.m.?
1: I am uh, up early often. and
3: You watch it one day at a time? Like, I will, again.
1: because I was in love with Valerie Bertinelli, like a lot yeah. of other dudes our age was in love with her. So, yeah. Not so much Mackenzie Phillips. But <laughs> but Valerie Bertinelli, yes, in love with so yeah yeah I am I am up pretty early so man, you know oftentimes kids especially this time of year they got basketball camp or something going on we got to climb out of bed really early and get them someplace early so have you, that, you ever had Valerie Bertinelli on your show I have not I've tried a number of times I mean, though that, I reach out all the time to Wolfie's natural, mom natural yeah yeah
3: I mean come on and like I mean just the fact like I would love to know and I don't know somebody probably knows the answer to this. Because one day at a time was fictionally set in Indianapolis. Like, did they ever do a press junket where they like brought them to Indianapolis? You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't know if they ever referenced anything Bonnie here locally. Franklin?
3: Wasn't Bonnie Franklin the mom?
1: Yeah, Bonnie Franklin was the mom. I don't think they ever referenced anything locally. I mean, as Correct. far as the they school was concerned or anything. Opening, and I, I will, I'll give you a great interview. example of that. Right. So the first year of Saved by the Bell uh, with Miss Bliss it was based in Indiana. and there was Correct. one reference in an episode where it was what it was, where I they, what it was. yeah ready? they talked about going to the IU Michigan game
3: they also referenced so there's two then because there was one where I think Screech was the only character from Good Morning, Miss Bliss that carried over to Bayside. I could be wrong in that. but there was one episode where he was like trying to impress a girl, and Miss Bliss said, you would trampoline on the Hoosier Dome
1: if you thought it could get you that yeah, girl. That's a good reference right there. Yeah. I just had IU because Miss Bliss and a, a fellow teacher were gonna go watch IU. This would have been, I think, nineteen eighty nine. They're gonna go watch IU in Michigan. So I thought that would have been the I.U. Michigan game of Jay Edwards hitting good that shot. last second three. Yeah.
3: That's right. Yeah. One of the that was the I remember that game, Jay Edwards hit that <laughs> shot. The crowd goes bonkers for like What seemed like ten minutes, yeah, and we're walking down the ramp. Finally, like once, like you know, order was restored inside Assembly Hall. We're walking down the ramp like fifteen minutes after the game, and all of a sudden, on the PA, you hear three-point basket, three points, number three, Jay Edwards, and I'm like Chuck Crab, man, that dude like knew to wait till the crowd was finally quieted down so that they could hear he could you know all of his announcements. Just the best.
1: Do you think that that would have been? As close as Derek White's put back in game number six of the East Finals? Because that was point one. That was about as close to, without the technology then, if you remember, about as close to well, being point .1 or, or in that particular neighborhood as anything could be.
3: I don't think there's any doubt. And I remember this being the big deal back then. Keith Jackson and Dick Vitale replaying it like five times and saying, "Listen for the horn, because in college basketball you go by the horn and right. not the clock." And I mean that ball was—you could have split a credit card between his fingertip and the ball when yep. the horn went off. He got it off, but it was—it wasn't point one, John. It was like point zero 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 zero. That's I—I <laughs> you know I, I, mean? yeah,
1: because really the Derek White put back, I think, was the closest um that i have seen that's the closest i have seen and i often wonder if that jay edwards shot against michigan would have been as close if the technology did exist i've
3: always wondered too that shot to me was such an icon i mean i I realize the watch shot is is today's version of that it felt like that was such a massive deal And, and i've always wondered if that's just because the sports landscape has changed or because i was 16 at the time i mean i remember driving back up 37 and people were out on the side of the road in martinsville with banners like cheering for iu because they had just beaten michigan i mean it was that big it just felt like the epicenter of the sports world was centered around iu basketball
1: well i mean and where everybody we're in a world of salty now about everything and especially sports it's just different it wasn't the the window to the world was not as clear then as it is now so i just I, i don't know it just was probably more meaningful back then than it would be now and if that pisses off the younger generation then so be it but that's just the way that it is because we didn't have all of these these so-called assets of information at our disposal back then and you were just kind of yeah. it's like the legend of the concord flying in here with nigel Mansell when everybody stopped on 465 to watch it land i mean those those are real stories that i don't know how much that would happen today of course everybody would get arrested probably but i don't know how much that would have have happened I mean, today as it did then
4: john do you remember
3: i mean people younger people probably are going to think that I'm making this up, but how about when the Pacers beat the Knicks in 95, like this week, I think of 95 and eliminated them from the second round of the playoffs. And like 5,000 people went to the airport to greet them. I got a ticket for parking on the exit ramp of 465, along with like 200 other people. And we ran across the runways to go to the international hangar to greet them when they came back. And like, that's, the Colts beat the Dolphins on a Steve Entman interception return and like 250 people go to the airport to like greet them as they come off the airplane. I mean, just crazy times, man. Just a different world. Totally different world. I
1: remember that game you're talking about with with, with Reggie and Reggie was made a live call in, I think to Bob and Tom. Either after that game, it was before they were they were going to the airport or coming from the airport or something. It was one of the more entertaining calls I've ever heard. I mean – So I, I, I can't remember exactly what the day was, but it seems like it's kind of similar to, to what you're talking about. Because there was – I mean, there was just – that was like the first time that anybody had ever experienced it totally. like the Colts exactly like the, it was like the Colts in 95 nobody really knew what it meant to be a good football team to be a good playoff football team to have that success you know until the postseason of 95 that was the Colts fans intro here much like the whole Pacers and Knicks stuff was the intro to Pacer fans many Pacer I mean, fans that didn't go all the way back to the ABA success days
3: they had a rally at city market for the Pacers for getting to the Eastern conference.
1: Finals. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yep. like let's
3: have a parade. They went to the Eastern conference finals, like those signs in every window downtown, man magical thing.
1: You and I talk about this like every third time I call in. I love that, though. Nothing wrong with that. Jake Jake Quarry's with us. I did hear you bring up something this morning. Jake Quarry, the morning show, Kevin and Quarry, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. And of course, again, before I ask Jake this question, I want him to elaborate. Uh, The Colts have a player being investigated for placing wagers. Uh, The Colts' response to that story that Jake and I talked about at the top of the hour, the Colts' quote is we are aware of the NFL investigation and we will have no further comment at this time, end quote. We'll get back to that in a second. But you brought up the Diamond Chain Factory and where the Indy 11 and that whole complex is going to be undergoing a major financial and then some facelift. And you kind of made it sound like poltergeist there. What the hell's going on?
3: Well, so the Diamond Chain Factory, which, by the way, Arthur Newby, who was one of the founding fathers of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, was the founder or one of the principal owners of Diamond Chain which at one time was making like 70% of the bicycle chains for around the world. And that property, I believe was, be, they began developing it in like eight late 1800s, early 1900s. And what I think a lot of people realize or don't realize, I should say is when diamond chain bought that property, the land, which had been vacated was the original green lawn cemetery. And the green lawn cemetery in Indianapolis was the original public cemetery of Indianapolis. So it held the graves of little over a thousand, like pioneer graves, several Confederate soldiers, several Union soldiers, as well as, I hate to say this, the indigent of Indianapolis that were in unmarked graves. At the time that Diamond Chain bought and and cultivated the land, for lack of a better phrase, to put up their factory, they exhumed and removed like 700 soldier graves to Crown Hill Cemetery and then several mass common graves. But they would continue to find bones and remains in the area up until even, I think, when they were doing renovations or different things with the property itself. And I think I I don't know this for a fact, but it's my assumption or understanding that when you find human remains – You know, you don't just all of a sudden, like, call the Historical Society and go back to digging. I mean, there's a pretty detailed process there. And, you know, my understanding is, based on the number of graves that were in the original Green Lawn and based on the number of graves that have been exhumed and or made counted for, there are some that believe there would still be mass numbers that are in that property itself and that they, once they tear down that building— and then begin clearing it out. Even well, I guess the building's pretty pretty much gone. But once they start tearing up that property, I, I just think it's a slippery slope. I mean, it's a whole different talk show to get into, and I think most. So people, I, I, just, know, I,
1: I just, I just, I found it interesting um, because it when I, I thought so, of poltergeist immediately.
3: I mean, to, honestly, yeah. and, and and I think that some of it, I believe that some of the graves maybe were were of Native American origin as well, and just again. When you say public cemetery of that era, basically what that means is, for a large part, the pauper cemetery, which means a lot of them were probably unmarked. The, the same holds true just outside of Central State Hospital. There are large amounts of mass graves there from people that were turned over essentially to the state for mental health that, that were surrendered by their families and then just were buried in the areas that are now the horse stables for IMPD. I mean, there's a lot that go There's a lot of stuff that goes into all of that, but but again, I to me it would not surprise me if that creates some occasional obstacles or stall within the development
1: that's that i don't know that but well, i'd heard that and and i did not know that story so i was i was kind of interested in hearing hearing that story of the past right there from this morning so
3: yeah i won't get into the whole the cost of it and everything else. I have nothing against the Indy 11. I I want people to be very understanding of that. I have no problem with the Indy 11. I hope that they, uh, you know, I mean, hell, I was a season ticket holder for the Indy 11. I I, I like the people over there. I went to, I know a lot of the people there. I have nothing against the Indy 11. I I do have reservation about the amount of tax dollars that may be spent for a stadium when we already publicly subsidized a $720 million stadium that was at the time sold to us as taxpayers as multi-purpose. End of rant. (laughs) (laughs) I promise. I don't want to hijack your show.
1: Oh, that's okay. Somebody told me that Victory Field is on part of that cemetery.
3: No, it wasn't Victory Field. It was the original, well, oh, Victory Field. Yeah. No, so that would be the northern boundary of it. But I think probably what they're thinking of is the Indianapolis Hoosiers, which played from 1914 to, I believe, 1918 played in a stadium that was on the property. So there was a baseball stadium on the property um, that was there as part of the old uh, Federal League. So I believe it was called Federal Stadium. The Indianapolis Hoosiers were the baseball team that played in the Federal League in the second decade of the 20th century, and that stadium was absolutely on the property that is that is what we're talking about.
1: Now, clearly the only reason I brought this up is to reference Poltergeist that was it well,
3: you, you know that at the beginning of every game when the team comes out they're actually going to say they're here <laughs> yeah. so
1: they're
2: gonna poltergeist
1: to I loved it when Craig T. Nelson and uh, the chick were in bed lighting up a doobie when things started to go haywire around them isn't that isn't that the opening scene of every 80s horror movie <laughs> that's great Johnny, poltergeist poltergeist <laughs> poltergeist anyway alright uh, what you guys got going on tomorrow morning you know well, this
3: will obviously be a huge topic tomorrow, this cold story, because yes. I think you're right. I think it's going to grow legs between now and then. So we'll we'll talk about that. Um, we're going to take a look at the Pacers draft as well. And then Stefan Wilson, actually, right now, I'm actually in Dryer and Reinbold because um, Shannon ran over a tire, so I'm getting that fixed. And speaking of Dryer and Reinbold racing, Stefan Wilson, who, of course, was involved in his accident that knocked him out of the Indy 500, Graham Rahal sat in. Stephen Wilson said, you know what? I've got a message. I want to talk to the fans. I want to be able to speak to them. Can I come on your show? And I said, absolutely. So he's going to do that at 9 o'clock tomorrow.
1: That is really cool. Shout out to Stephen Wilson. That is a good dude right there. Great dude. Great dude. All right. Well, have fun with this story. So um, are we allowed to wager on when – the story is going to be when we find out the wagering. name is that i
3: don't know that wagering on a is, story about illegal wage is that not cool <laughs> wait a minute thing. we are aware we are aware of john and jake's wager and we'll have no further oh my
1: goodness i don't know trying to to be as delicate as possible and then still have some fun yeah, with that, it
3: the so. only thing that i that i was told was a defensive player with a lot of who with a great opportunity in front of them. That's
1: all I was told. All right, defensive player with a great opportunity in front of him. That eliminates how hey, many of the defensive live, players? Man. I'm sorry, I'm just jokes. See, I'm, I shouldn't even say that. Why are we even going here? I should have gone to a break like three minutes ago. I'm going to just right. get us all in trouble. My bad. us both. All right, man. We'll be listening 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. All right, see you, John. Thank you, Jake Query on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Appreciate that. I had no idea about the um, diamond chain factory story. But I heard that this morning and I absolutely had to ask. Wow. Hey, here's the story again before I hit a break. Colts player investigated for gambling that's going on. Gambling on games and there's evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts per as this all started with sports handle. And then uh, Ravel and Action Network took off with it. Now, it's been described, you heard Jake just say it as well. The player is not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. Colts, with they're aware of the investigation. And we'll have no further comment at this time. Quick break. We'll come back with that and more. Trace Jackson Davis, top of the hour. Mitch Hanna is the head coach of my, of our Sycamores. Heading to the Super Regional joins us at 530 93, 5 107 Find the fan. <laughs>
0: The Ride with JMV. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me, Miles Davis. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
1: Evan Sidery a little bit earlier. Basketball news. Jake Query. A diamond chain story. No idea. And this story that's got a lot of Colts fans out there wondering. Wondering aloud. Wondering... uh, While uh, typing into Twitter or other various social media outlets, a Colts player is being investigated for gambling on games, and there's evidence the players, or I should say, take that back, there's evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts. The site Sports Handle had the story initially. Then caught fire with Darren Ravel and Action Network, and to the point now where the Colts did release a statement saying that they were aware of the NFL's investigation and would have no further comment at this time. But the Colts player investigated for gambling on games and apparently according to this report evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers including bets involving the Colts and there's a little bit more to it as far as the play you get a lot of people obviously throwing out names which I'm not going to do but it's described in this particular report, the player's not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. So whatever that means, not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of this particular player. And we'll see, we'll see if something pops here before 6 o'clock or not. But I'm sure that's the last thing that Colts fans, I'm sure, wanted to hear today. And uh, that is where that is. Uh, Steve writes this, honest question, how are they finding out? I'll be be honest with your honest question, or at least with an answer, Steve, to your honest question. I I don't know, because this was the first that I'd heard of it. Jake went into it a little bit more, but still was rather vague about it. And you just kind of wait and see how it goes. It was something like this. Like I said, this thing has caught fire. It will continue to do so until the name is released. And as we well know right now, that's always sooner rather than later, is it not? Or at least that's the way that it feels. Sooner rather than later. But there is your Colts news today. They also signed wide receiver Brashard Perryman, who was a highly touted guy coming out of college, just never lived up to any level of expectations. And the Colts are going to give this thing a try. I think this guy's got what? Around twenty receptions in the past couple of years, so you don't even hold your breath on him making the roster. They are trying something out, for lack of a better description. And just to see what happens. See if there is anything there. Hey, JMV, I, like you, am very excited about Indiana State. I did not attend Indiana State. However, I am officially on the bandwagon. Yeah, Mitch Hannis is going to join us. The head coach of the super regional-bound Sycamores will join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. I am incredibly happy. It has been an exciting story that, of course, we have been following for a while. But it has been fun and fun to watch. You look back at that regional in which they hosted. I mean, good for Terre Haute, good for Indiana State. It was just a great time. And something we talked about with Mitch Hanna's last week, his team and their desire to get stuff done late. A couple of those games, and especially the first one, remember, I was freaking out over at Twin Peaks on Friday thinking I was bad luck. And that kind of set the stage and... These games have all had a worthy portion of come-from-behind tactics from Indiana State. It has been very impressive. Yeah, one step away they are. One step away from Omaha, they get the winner of Arkansas and TCU. Now, kind of an interesting dynamic here. If Arkansas wins, they're the three seed. If Arkansas wins, Indiana State would go to Fayetteville if TCU wins, TCU would go to Terre Haute. I need to get some updates on these scores coming up in just a bit as well. And also for you IU fans, IU Kentucky coming up later on tonight. Evidently, it is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. But that is going to be, and I'm not trying to compare this to IU and Kentucky and basketball coming up once again in a couple of years, but... It is two teams that not only look like they don't like one another, but they look like they're sick and tired of one another. This is going to be fantastic. You talk about a brawl tonight, so hopefully you're able to watch it. Can I get this on Hulu tonight? What is the quickest way I can go about this without having to drop passwords in and all this other crap that I don't want to do? something really quick for me I think tony donahue mentioned via twitter something about hulu i do have hulu it does say you can watch espn plus in the hulu app is what the hulu app well just maybe then i normally utilize that i save that for old andy griffith episodes on pluto old family ties episodes all in the families one day at a time as jake referenced a little bit earlier (laughs) you guys, man. It's from Rex. Is the Colts player known by the average NFL fan or average Colts fan? No, Rex. I actually asked that question a little bit earlier. It is not specified here. I would assume that in terms of the way that it was written, Rex, that it was to the average NFL fan, but not, you know, the average Colts fan. But I asked the same thing. Because if he's known by an average NFL fan, he's probably a star by the Colts fan standards. Well, Certainly, it's going to be a very name-recognizable player for the Colts, for you Colts fans. That, to me, is going to be clear. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a bummer of a story. Now, I know a lot of you are making this. I, I, I didn't view this as, well, this is the reason why they brought in the player today. I don't look at it that way. Name recognizable. Look at Alan Stanley stepping up for me right here. There it is. And Arkansas and TCU tonight at 6. I see that right there. Well, there's Indiana and Kentucky tonight. Am I Hulu? I can get on Hulu. Thank you, Alan. See, you guys are giving me the smarts real good when it comes to technology I simply don't have.
2: Now, Griff is saying in the chat, I see this in the chat, you do need the entire Disney bundle for Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus. What the
1: hell's the Disney bundle? I have no idea. (laughs) Wait a minute, Griff. Griff, tell me a little bit more about this Disney bundle. Now, this is Laney's, so we may have the Disney bundle in here. I don't know what we have. The Disney Bundle. Hey, we'll stay on top of this Colts story as well. It is a Colts story that uh, people, if you're a Colts fan, are not too happy about it being discussed. And we'll stay on top of this for you. Hey, JMV, here's a quick update. This is from Phil. I-65 southbound? Is that the Frankfurt exit? Semi-roll blocking lanes? It's uh, south of southbound lanes at the Frankfurt exit. Thank you, Phil for that. That looks major right there. Yeah, again the Colts response to this, quote, we are aware of the NFL's investigation and we will have no further comment at this time. Yeah, people were asking me this. What do you think, JMV, if this player was gambling on Colts games, was it for his team or against it? Regarding last year, well, I mean, if it was for it, it probably didn't work out very well for 12-1. and Yeah, the hammer is about to come down on somebody for real. On that Colts roster. We will keep you updated on that. Revisit that story coming up in a minute. Trace Jackson Davis worked out for the Pacers today. Another workout schedule with a group coming in tomorrow as well. Trace joins us at 5. And Mitch Hannis, the head coach of Indiana State. They're off to the Super Regional. Maybe... Going back to Bob Warren Field if TCU beats Arkansas later on tonight. Mitch Hannis, the head coach of the Sycamores, joins us at 5.30. And let's do this right now. How about Jeff Foxworthy tickets? Let's do that right here. It is called Laughing Matters, correct? Laughing Matters, the comedian Jeff Foxworthy. I've got a pair of tickets for you right now, number 9 at 239-1070. 239-1070, Laughing Matters, Jeff Foxworthy. Number 9 at 239-1070. We'll get those tickets. We're back with you in the
0: flash. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: You know, I mentioned this regarding Mitch Hanna's joining us coming up at 5.30. That Terre Haute could host the Super Regional if TCU beats Arkansas tonight. Now, Jeff just sent me this. I I haven't heard this at all. So this could be wrong. In fact, this is something we'll ask Mitch coming up at 530. But Jeff says the rumor is around Terre Haute that there is already an event going on in Terre Haute this weekend. And due to hotels and or dorms, for players and visiting parents and fans, it would be a struggle to have that event as scheduled and host a super regional. Man, I hope that's not the case. I have not heard that at all, and I absolutely hope that's not the case. Right, Terre Haute did an outstanding, and I got to thank the dude. That actually, it was later in the day yesterday and my daughter had some basketball games around here as on you know, this summertime, late spring and early summer will dictate if you have kids, right? So she had some games. I didn't get it until late, but uh, the uh, offering of the ticket yesterday, and I will, I will take you up on the Super Regional for sure, but the offering of the uh, ticket to go from uh, M. Roman yesterday, via twitter was very nice of you appreciate that brother more than you know that's very nice but the environment looked fantastic over there yesterday everything seemed to go smoothly and of course it always goes smooth whenever the team especially your alma mater is winning at that level in which indiana state is winning right now great to see uh, big story of the day so far. We continue to follow no new news. Just a lot of people guessing right now. Then a lot of people saying you need to have a pool to see what it, what it Probably not. But here's the story. A Colts player being investigated for gambling on games. And there's evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts. Now, it started out at Sports Handle. Initially, having the story, and then the Action Network, which is Darren Ravel's website, the Action Network took it from there. Now, for those of you that are, are guessing, for those of you that have interest in this, there's not been a player specifically named yet. This is how it was described. By this report, the player is not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. Now, if it's the average Colts fan, you've heard of all of them. If it's the average NFL fan, that would seem to probably pare the list down a little bit. So if it's the average NFL fan, that may end up being more of an, oh, wow, than what you think. But that is the report. And again, a Colts player being investigated for gambling on games. And according to this report, evidence, the player placed hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts. And that description, because we know nothing other than the cult statement, the cult statement reading that they are aware of the NFL investigation and will have uh, no further comment at this time. But according to this report, the player is not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. Uh, that is where this story is right now. Uh, this is from House. This is regarding Jake Quarry's story. And I, I heard a little bit of it this morning. And, and honestly, I brought it back up because it was, to me, kind of reminiscent of Poltergeist a little bit. It's regarding the Diamond Chain factory or company. And what, I guess, for lack of a better description, lies beneath, of course, Diamond Chain is going to to end up being the new India 11 complex. House writes this, so late the monday jake party what's the scoop diamond chain company my pop's been over 40 years working on the fourth floor well according to jake evidently there is there was it was the site of a cemetery long ago so on there occasionally are some findings there yep So that was the story. If you missed any of the conversation, by the way, go ahead and double back to it. I won't go into deep detail here. But if you missed any of that conversation regarding that, especially like you, House, uh, Jake Quarry and my conversation, 107.5thefan.com via podcast. Pretty interesting. That is not the correct Adam Schefter right there, my good person. (laughs) There it is. Not the correct Adam Schefter. Hey, JMV, I know you're going to talk to Coach Hannes a little bit later on. Be sure to ask him about how good this team is in the clutch, how good this team has been in late situations. And, you know, not only will I ask him that, but we asked him that last time. And I brought up the Missouri Valley Conference Championship game where Evansville had to beat them twice. And remember, Evansville beat them on a grand slam in game number one. And and Mitch Hannes told us that he took – the blame on some pitch calls for that. And then his team in that second game responded with a leave, no doubt mentality. And I think you saw that against Wright state when they were down. Most of that game came from behind. I was freaking out. Right. And then clearly what they did work wise against Iowa. So they do have a pretty strong late game, or at least that's been evident. But this team's run since February is incredible. Look at their stats. Look at what they've done. Win loss-wise since February. It's amazing. Mitch Hannis, bottom of the 5 o'clock hour. Trace Jackson Davis, the former Mr. Basketball. Centergrove Grove Trojan and Hoosier. He worked out for the Pacers today. Trace is going to join us coming up here a little bit after 5 o'clock. Evan Sidery, Basketball News, a little bit earlier. And Jake Query also with us with the podcast at 107.5thefan.com. And again, before we hit the top of the hour break, this news of the Colts where a Colts player is being investigated for gambling on games. There's evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts. That was first reported by Sports Handle. The player is not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him as that story and report continues to say the Colts response was they're aware of the investigation by the NFL and they will have no comment at this time. All right, your update, a Quick break and we'll come back. Trace Jackson Davis, Mitch Hannis, and maybe some more news before six o'clock on this ever evolving Colts investigation story. Keep it right here 93.5 and 107. Find the fan.
0: The ride with JMV. One, is this or is this not the XFL?
3: Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I
0: do. Let's play football. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
1: James is getting a couple of new tattoos on Friday. Thus, he's going to miss the show. <laughs> it's going to be nine or ten tattoos for you. Nine or ten for James. That'll be nine or ten more than I will ever have. That's for sure. Uh, James over there. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Evan insideary Basketball News earlier. Jake Query, uh, the morning show, Kevin and Query. And, of course, IMS Radio Network. Mitch Hannis, bottom of the hour. Indiana State head coach, Trace Jackson Davis, coming up here in just a little bit. So sit tight for that. Uh, the, the breaking news, I hesitate to call it breaking news, has been over an hour now since this story kind of broke. But it is... Since the Colts responded to it with a statement, the uh, the sports—I'm assuming I haven't seen this yet—but I'm assuming it's a, a wagering, a uh, betting handle. It's called Sports Handle on Twitter at Sports Handle. A Colts player is being investigated for gambling on games and there's evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers including bets involving the Colts again that is according to sports handle and then action network with Darren Ravel kind of took over on that now a lot of you are wondering who it might be Uh, There has been nothing that I have seen other than just people knocking around names so far. Nothing that I have seen. But the player, according to this report, is certainly somebody that... And it didn't specify whether it was an NFL fan or a Colts fan. It's just uh, not a star, but name recognizable, basically, is what it said. Yeah, the balance of sports talk radio, that is not the right guy. I'm shooting down a lot of the not the right guy retweets here. Just for you. <laughs> Ain't going to be a lot more than that, too, by the way. Because somebody's going to get dealt the hammer here. And that's what we, we talked about that with Jay Query. It's going to be Calvin Ridley-esque, I would assume. So be ready for that. I thought maybe before 6 we would get something. But again, everything right now until we tell you otherwise uh, is just random speculation. As far as the name of the player. And some of it's used as jokes. Some of it is is just, for example, guessing. But there is nothing, yeah, nothing out there that is uh, concrete as of right now. But it certainly is a story that we will continue to follow without question. It is a big deal. And I have guessed that maybe, maybe we will find out the name before we get off of the show at six o'clock. We shall see. I mentioned Trace Jackson Davis coming up in just a bit, so sit tight on that. Mitch Hannis, the head coach of Indiana State, bottom of the hour. Let me get you updated on that before we get to Trace and before he calls in as well. All right, so Indiana State awaits the winner of TCU in Arkansas. So if TCU wins, TCU, according to this, will go and play in the Terre Haute Super Regional at Bob Warren Field against the Sycamores. Now, if Arkansas, which I believe is a three seed, if the Razorbacks win, then Indiana State travels to Fayetteville, Arkansas. TCU and Arkansas later on tonight. Now, IU fans, you get IU and Kentucky, and I know it's not basketball, but this thing is going to be worthy of your watching pleasure here because it is clear that these two teams don't like one another, much like you guys in basketball don't like Kentucky folks. And Kentucky folks, don't lie you guys. This is going to be, I think it should be a humdinger tonight. ESPN Plus, that is IU and Kentucky. The winner of that one will take on the winner of LSU and Oregon State. And there is a lot of local flavor going on. But yeah, Indiana uh, Indiana State already in the Super Regional. And you might end up getting Indiana if you're a Hoosier fan. And a super regional as well. And again, Indiana and Kentucky for that regional title coming up later on this evening. Yeah, there's a ton going on right now. Yeah, if you missed the conversation as well, a lot of you are asking about what Jake and I were talking about regarding Diamond Chain. If you missed that, it's pretty lengthy to get into, or at least for me to get into right now as we uh, wait trace so if you want to catch the conversation inside well not so much inside the lounge via youtube live but uh on on our webpage uh 1075thefan.com has the podcast for you right there and i'll tell you those of you that are sending me stuff about how difficult it would be for indiana state to host a super regional with well, what they have in town coming up this weekend i have not heard anything else regarding that Actually, somebody else just sent me the same thing regarding that. We'll see if if Mitch Hannis, the head coach of Indiana State, has anything on that coming up here when he joins us at the bottom of the hour. I had not heard that. Uh, But Indiana State awaits a winner. All right, NBA Finals tied at a game apiece in the best of seven. What a fourth quarter by the Heat last night. I don't care if you dislike the Heat as deeply as I do. That was fun as hell to watch. Because the tables turned completely in the fourth. And late game heroics and production from dudes beyond Jimmy Butler. It was incredible. And you have not seen an average type of meltdown out of Denver. And especially nothing like that at home this postseason it took one hell of an effort to get that done if you were in Miami again on the road in Denver last night that was incredibly impressive I don't like the heat whatsoever but that was fun that was as fun a fourth quarter to watch watch Miami dig out of that watch Miami take control of that and seemingly there was zero that Denver could do about it So, whether or not you have a rooting interest, if you just love basketball and you like to watch grinded-out basketball, team basketball, guys that step up that aren't your average stars on your team, you got that, and then some last night in a pretty damn big moment. Fourth quarter of a Game 2 NBA Finals. Impressive is exactly what that was. Uh, Game 3, they'll wait about three weeks to play that. No, actually, it comes up on Wednesday, Game 3. So we shall see. All right, uh, Mitch Hanna's bottom of the hour. Meantime, joining us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. From IU, spectacular career of four years. Cine Grove, Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana. And a kid I really love, watch, grow, and mature. And we'll see where he ends up as far as the NBA is concerned. He tried out, I should say, worked out for the Pacers a little bit earlier today, of course, talking about former Hoosier Trace Jackson Davis. Trace, kind enough to join us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, Trace, thanks for the time. How are you? Man, I'm doing well. Doing uh, well. I want to talk about the process today with the Pacers and this workout in a moment. But overall, from start to finish, to this point—not finished, but to this point—how have has this been for you?
4: Um, it's been great. It's been a great experience. I've had five workouts so far. Um, All this week. So, a little tired by the end of the day. You're in your hometown, um, suiting up for the Pacers. So, uh, you got a little extra juice in the tank. But um, overall, I thought it's been a great process, and I thought today went really well.
1: How much went into preparation, not physically, but mentally, for what you're doing with me right now, for what I'm sure you did with the mass media that was out there to watch you? (laughs) You know, Trace, being in your hometown, you know, people on this state love you. You got to prepare for that as well mentally. How much of that went in to the overall preparation for what you're going through now?
4: Um, It, it takes a lot of preparation, but I think um, just being at IU, um, having Coach Woody um, kind of getting prepared for these moments even the media down there is kind of hectic and so um, I felt like I was ready and, um, obviously being here in Indy, being able to work out 30 minutes away from my house, um, it's a blessing and um, I'm ready to deal with all the things that come with it but overall um, I thought I had a great day and I thought it was a, a great time here.
1: He's uh, Trace Jackson Davis the former Hoosier, the former Mr. Basketball the former Center Grove Trojan with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline so how'd you do Today, what was your feeling when you got finished up with that workout, Trace?
4: Uh, I felt really good, honestly. Um, I shot the ball well from the perimeter. I had a lot of good drives. I so won a few drills one on one, and um, I felt like I played smart and good basketball as a good teammate. Um, those are all the intangibles. Um, so I felt like that was probably one of my best workouts. I put it up there with uh, Golden State and Sacramento, they were two other ones that I did really well in. And so I um, felt like overall, though, it was a great day, and I can't wait to hear the. This- back from what the
1: team says. Um, um how much feedback have you you mentioned this is what number 5 is that what you said trace so far? Mm-hmm. Um what, what kind of feedback have you received from the other workouts with the other teams to this point? Um it's been
4: mixed. I've had a uh, really good feedback from teams and um I've had some feedback of stuff I need to work on. So um there are uh, little things on both ends of the floor. Um it just kind of depends on what what kind of workout I have because a lot of teams haven't seen me shoot the ball so if I shoot the ball well in a workout then they're like okay you can do these things obviously they've already watched my tape from IU so they know I can do other things So, and then the other ones that I don't shoot that well um, they're like you need to work on these things so it's just continue to get repetition and stuff of that nature but overall it's been a solid process
1: you kind of know when you're going through or did you know when you're going through kind of maybe a maybe a I don't know how to explain it um, a moment in a workout in which yeah, maybe your shot's not falling something like that Um, does that kind of bounce around in your head or is that something you move on from during that workout as quickly as possible
4: yeah, so actually my last workout, I didn't shoot the ball very well, and you kind of get down on yourself, but at the same time, you got to brush it off and get ready for the next one, kind of like a game. You can't harp on it too much, and then if you have the right mindset, then um, good things are going to happen, and that's what happened today. I came in here and had a really, really good workout.
1: He is Trey Jackson Davis with us. The reason why I ask that is because I, I always compliment you before anything else on your maturation. I mean, it's just been amazing mm-hmm. to watch you grow over these years, and that is would to me assume to be part of it how much have you grown with that in mind you know hearing the constructive criticism about your game that really (laughs) matters to you and moving on and making yourself better how much of that growth have you experienced over the past let's just say four years
4: Uh, It's been a lot. Uh, A lot of people criticize my game, but at the end of the day, I'm going to do what my coach wants me to do, and um, I'm going to do it at the highest level possible. So I don't really care what people have to say because I know me. I know the people in my corner got me, and I know um, the people, whether it be my coaches or the people that want to see me succeed, they know what i got to do to do that. they got to tell me the right things. I'm going to do them to the best of my abilities.
1: You are so prepared for the next level. You know that. I mean, with all this in mind, some people are going through stuff right now or that will go through some stuff, right, uh, and, and <laughs> hear about their games in the future that never have received that type of criticism before, man. You're, you're ready-made already off the floor. Is that, is that a feeling for you right now with that growth in mind, that maturation that you're good for that next level with what you've gone through already?
4: No, absolutely. I feel like I'm really prepared for it. obviously, being at Indiana. Uh, there's a lot of criticism that goes with it. Not bad, but it's just a part of the game. They love their college basketball, and um, so it's just something that you have to deal with. It, But I think that uh, Indiana University has prepared me very well for this moment, and I'm ready to make the best of it.
1: He has Trace Jackson Davis with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. You hear all this about, well, this is what they say about your game. People are telling you about your game. You tell us, because I don't know if we've ever flipped a script on you like this. You You tell me the good and the bad or us the good and the bad so far and things that you know deep down inside you got to work on but you know you're going to get better at as we move along what are those things um, I just feel like um, just overall perfecting my all-around
4: game. Obviously the shooting comes into that point, but at the end of the day I've done so many good things on the floor and uh, I've caused a double team almost every possession in college basketball, and so a lot of people don't understand how well I can do in one-on-one situations. And that's going to happen a lot in the NBA. Obviously I need to work on my pick and pops, um, but it's something that I just got to get confidence in in repetition. I don't have a bad shot. I've got a good base. I just got to get confidence to knock the shots down. And so those are all the things that come with repetition. I feel like whatever team I go to, I'm going to be able to do that, and their, their coaching staffs are going to work well with me. Um, and then overall, I feel like I'm a very high IQ basketball player. I'll make the right plays and I'm a good teammate, so those are all good things that an organization will get from me.
1: Well, you're absolutely right on that, too. And Here's what I think of all the time. I and mean, Part of your growth at IU was passing the basketball. Absolutely. And that's something, Trace, Trace, more and more, everybody, that is, that is such a big deal. You know, so many of us say, alright, it's either a make or miss league or whatever, but getting the yeah. ball to the open you know, realizing, you know, where where the defense is is leaning and getting the ball to that open person for that open shot or the better shot. That is so crucial to where you want to go right now at this NBA game. Has that been recognized your passing ability so far? I think so. Um I'm a very unselfish player, but um,
4: that's just part of the game. And I think Continue growing, especially next level, with all the high-level guys that you play with, and so just being a smart and high IQ basketball player and making the right plays is going to benefit a lot of guys from good looks.
1: So, did you stay at home last night and just like drive down here this this morning, this <laughs> afternoon? How this work?
4: No, I was I was actually I I got home on Friday Friday night really late, and then I came home. I stayed in the hotel and then came home Saturday morning, spent some time with my family, friends and girlfriend, and then Sunday kind of the same until later at night came back to the hotel. And then now I'm
1: here. I saw Ray on Thursday too, and um, I, uh, I he's he's such a, a calming influence for everybody. <laughs> right. Oh, he is. That, he's you gotta he's get not worried sh- at all. No, you know you you he's need got the confidence. You, <laughs> yeah, he does have that. There's no doubt. You need a shot of Ray. I thought I think that's good for you before this workout because really this is weird compared to the other one so far. You come here and you have this throng of media that you like <laughs> me are waiting to talk to you. Man, he's a good prep. I think before you come down. No. To to yeah. do this workout today. Absolutely, yeah. Ian. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is with us. All right, where are you going next?
4: I go to Boston next, and then I got Boston, Brooklyn, Charlotte. So those are my next three in the next four or five days.
1: Hey, we're really excited for you. I'm going to go ahead and let you run right here. But uh, you get back, certainly once we find out where you're going, uh, we'll get you back on here. But uh, safe travels for you. Keep on keeping on as usual. We love having you on the show, Trace. Well done. I appreciate you guys. You got Trace Jackson Davis with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Just an outstanding dude. I mentioned Ray Jackson, who is down at Center Grove, and I just actually played basketball with him on Thursday. He holds the keys down there uh, to a lot of facilities, which I really dig. But he's just a better dude. There is nobody better in your inner circle, as Trace mentioned, to keep you level-headed and grounded. Really on both, both ends of it. Both the positive and the negative that you hear. Then, Ray. So, perfect. I just saw a little bit earlier today you had just a ton of local media down there with him working out for the Pacers. Pretty awesome. And I wanted to hear from him as well exactly what the teams were telling him, both positive and negative. And then I wanted to hear it from him, what he felt. Beyond, you know, the pick and pop, as he mentioned, being able to knock that down, what else he needed to work on. Trace Jackson Davis, the former Hoosier, the former Mr. Basketball from Cinegrove. Worked out for the Pacers earlier today. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always a pleasure to have him on. Quick break, and we'll come back. More on the Pacers stuff, more on the draft, which, by the way, is a week, check that, two weeks from Thursday. So, I believe, two weeks from Thursday. Yes, two weeks from Thursday. So, that is coming up. More on that, more on my Sycamores, their head coach, Mitch Hannis. They are going to the Super Regional. Will await their competition. And whether or not, I guess it could be back in Terre Haute, right? Their competition, either TCU or Arkansas. Arkansas is the three seed, so that means a trip to Fayetteville. But we'll talk to the head coach about this past weekend, which was spectacular for both Terre Haute, Indiana State, and certainly the Indiana State baseball team going to the super regional. Mitch Hannes is the head coach of the Trees. He joins us coming up at 530. Quick break, and we're back with you next. 935107-5 the Fan.
0: The ride with JMV. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
1: Trace Jackson Davis, podcast 107 at 5thefan.com. Work it out for the Pacers a little bit earlier today. Yeah, the big news of the day, as we continue to follow it right now, is regarding the Colts, and it's not a good story whatsoever, which is uh, leading to massive speculation. Of which we've not gotten involved with yet, but certainly the nuts and the bolts of this story that's going to it's going to carry a great deal of weight. Considering what happened to Calvin Ridley, this is the story. A Colts player is being investigated for gambling on games, and there's evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts. Now, this story was originally broken by Sports Handle, or if you look at it on Twitter, at Sports underscore Handle. Now, it went on to describe the player as follows. Not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. So this player not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. And that is the story right now and we are awaiting any piece of solid information other than that. But that's where we are now. And not good. Not good whatsoever. And again, there are a lot, I know a lot of you guys are sending me stuff from you know, your average newsbreakers in the NFL where somebody's kind of changed up their Twitter handle a little bit to get it, to get at you. So try not to be fooled on it. But that is a bad story that is going to lead to a longer-term punishment. That is coming for somebody. And that is the story of the day as far as the Colts are concerned and probably will be a lead uh, around sports in the NFL. Unfortunately, that a Colts player being investigated for gambling on games. Now, the Colts did respond when asked. They released a statement saying that they were aware of the NFL investigation and would have no further comment at this time. Which, again, has still led to a great deal of speculation. Hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts. So, now we shall see. Player not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. We shall continue to follow that story. Yeah, I mentioned Mitch Han is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour too. Indiana State to the Super Regional, IU and Kentucky play for a spot in the Super Regional coming up tonight down in Lexington. Winner moves on, loser goes home. But Mitch is going to join us coming up here in the next couple of minutes. I'll get back to the Colt story, too, after Mitch is on the show. Of course, Indiana State is moving on to the Super Regional, and we'll find out where it's going to be. If Arkansas wins, then as the higher seed, Indiana State will play Arkansas in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And if TCU beats Arkansas tonight, then it would appear that Terre Haute and Indiana State would have the opportunity to host again. So we shall see. Now, I am getting conflicting stories either as to whether or not that is going to be a possibility. But we shall see. And more on that Colts story still to come, so don't go anywhere. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. The stream, the app, HD Radio. And we're, uh, of course, uh, got you on Twitter here as well. If you're on hold, a 239-1070 coming at you in just a couple of minutes, too. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, incredibly happy, incredibly proud of our next guest's program and what they have accomplished so far, which is still ongoing, the head coach of Indiana State, that baseball program going to the Super Regional after disposing of Iowa yesterday in that finale over in Terre Haute. Mitch Hannes, the head coach of the Sycamores, joins us now. Hey, Mitch, thank you for the time. How are you?
5: Hey, I'm doing well, JMV. Glad to be on here. Buddy. What a weekend in paradise,
1: my friend! Well done, well done.
5: Unbelievable the support. It was unbelievable. Um, not just having fans there, but man, they were they were into it and they were a factor.
1: I um, I saw that. And I wondered if, at the time when I when I saw their reactions, and you're right, they were a huge factor, especially considering, you know, these come from behind wins that you guys have now grown accustomed to being a part of. Did you expect that type of response, that reaction, that level of support? Was it even beyond what you had thought it was going to be?
5: It was. It, it was way beyond what I anticipated. I, I thought we would have some good crowds. And, and you know, when you haven't had a lot of people out, you don't know how they're going to react, if they're going to be into the game, if they understand the game, you know, from a, a standpoint of really being into the different parts of the game. And they they were unbelievable. Iowa brought in a freshman pitcher that was struggling in the strike zone, and they were ball two, ball three, ball five. I mean, they were into every pitch. It was just it, – it was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. I um, You could feel it. I mean, you can honestly feel it, and that is that is such a big deal. I, I guess I'll have to ask you this: considering you know who you're going to end up getting, and the super regional is still up in the air, yet to be determined—Arkansas or TCU. If TCU wins, will you guys host the super regional in Terre Haute?
5: Uh, no, the way I understand it, it's in the committee's hands, and I and I'm not sure that our facility has been deemed uh, big enough for a super. So I still think there are some decisions to be made on that point.
1: So even if you are the, would you guys end up going, for example, to to Dallas to TCU?
5: I guess there's a possibility we would we would go to them, who who may be the hottest team in college baseball right now. Wow.
1: Well, and and I think as of right now, I think the update is TCU is five four in the sixth over Arkansas that has to be disappointing. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's nothing much to be disappointed about, but that would have to be a little bit disappointing. Is it?
5: Well, at this point of the season, you know, you prep everything that we do is based on knowing that we got to go into somebody else's park and beat them. If we want to get to Omaha, typically it's a regional. We were just fortunate to have a regional at home. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it is what it is. And, and, you know, it's, at this point of the season, I think it certainly helps having a home crowd. But I think whoever plays the best is going to win. It really doesn't matter where you're at. I guess the only advantage is getting to—if it goes to three games—is getting to be the home team twice. So,
1: help me out here, then we'll move on. Who the, this this committee? The committee decides this. What are the guidelines? What are the parameters of it that that go into this decision?
5: That I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure about any of the specifics. I know X number of seats, and and all of those things come into play. Uh, we 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 made the regional by the skin of our teeth. We might even have been a, a fraction short in terms of the seating capacity that we needed to have. Mm. Uh, but they still awarded us the regional.
1: Okay. All right. So I guess um, guess we'll wait and see on this. <laughs>
5: A little
1: yeah, bit. That's, I, that's, I I was I was so proud and I mentioned this and again Mitch Hannis, the head coach of Indiana State, joins us. Um certainly proud of, of you and your team and, and the effort and you know the late game at times heroics that we saw, but you mentioned this a little bit earlier. Just I was I was proud of Terre Haute. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Terre Haute being there. I love my time being there. I'd go back in a second, and it always kind of seems like that, that Terre Haute and the folks in and around Terre Haute and, and Vigo County, you're, you're kind of fighting a little bit uphill at times for positive, for solid notoriety. And I, I thought this weekend spoke volumes of that alone, and I think it made it more special, at least to me, the fan.
5: Well, it, it, same to me. I, I feel like we're unfairly criticized, and, and it's one of those things. If you haven't spent time here, and obviously people make a place, and I, I'm telling you, the people around here have been unbelievable uh, to me, my family, our team. it's It's been very gratifying um, to see. Um, I hope we keep winning. I keep ending up with liquor on my doorstep. So it's going to be wrong. <laughs>
1: well... <laughs> with that in mind, that's great, right there. Lick, you just walk out is like uh, what the milkman used to do back in the 1950s. Yeah.
5: You Just walk out there yeah. and there's a bottle of liquor on your doorstep. No, 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 nothing. But it, it, they keep showing up, so I'm sure not complaining. No, no,
1: there's no complaining over there
5: whatsoever.
1: <laughs> Mitch Han is the head coach of Indiana State. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. We we talked about this last week with Evansville. You know they had to win two on you guys in that Mo Valley championship final, they won the first one, and we thought that that rattled the cage a little bit, and then you know, your team left no doubt after that, and we wondered if that was going to help this team moving forward. Do you think that that type of game had any effect on how your team played in late-game situations over the weekend in Terre Haute?
5: Absolutely. It it was a, I I think it was something that, uh, like we talked, we absolutely needed to have our cage rattled, and I think it, it, when it happened, uh, we were a little unsettled. But I think as we went through those games, obviously the pitcher from Wright State was 10 or 11 and 1 for a reason. He was really, really good, and we just had to hang in the game and, and beat their bullpen. And the Brett kid from Iowa was up to 101 in the game against us, going to be a first-round pick next year. Um, it was just unbelievable. And, and the only thing we could do was try to try to stay close and get him out of the game with his pitch count. And, and that's basically what happened once we got him out. We, we were able to beat their bullpen, but we faced two really good starters. And had we not gone through that last weekend where you're sitting there digging uphill the entire time, uh, you, you may fold the tent. Who knows? But you certainly overcoming some adversity last weekend helped us overcome it this past weekend.
1: Yeah. I, you know what? And that's, that's, again, what we talked about. And seems like your, your team, they look, Mitch, comfortable in those late moments, too. I mean, it's, it's one thing to perform, but to look comfortable in performing in those late moments, that, that's even more so, I think, how your team is built.
5: Yeah, and I, its they have been very comfortable. It's really hard for me to look comfortable in those situations, <laughs> but Yeah, I I bet. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they, they have been. And You know, the bottom line, and we started this track a long time ago, if somebody beats our rear end, it won't be the first time. It, it, when you fear losing is when you get in trouble in this business, and I think that's the best thing about this group. They, they don't fear losing. They know if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. You go back to work and try to get better and fix some of the things that cost you the game. And, and I think that's how these guys are built.
1: I had talked about this, Mitch, on on Friday. I was doing a live show on the road as you guys were playing Wright State, and I, I consider myself at times being somewhat of a jinx, um, and I'm very superstitious. I think I've shared that with you before. I, I kind of wondered as that game was going on in the, the early to, to mid-game stages, innings-wise, was your team – I kind of wondered if maybe – they had read some of the negative about them and maybe that kind of took an early toll to them and then they they kind of woke up or was it more just kind of the pitcher that you had to get past in that verse game? How'd that go?
5: No, I think it was a little bit of both. I think that's a really good point. I I think that obviously Gangora, the pitcher from Wright State, was really good, like a 6'6 lefty with a good arm. And, And then I think the other thing was, you know, you can't hide from that publicity anymore. Everybody reads it. Everybody sees it. It's out there. And so I think you want to almost do too well. You you try to do too much then and trying to prove yourself. And I felt there was a little bit of that going on. Um, We definitely had to to calm down a couple of times.
1: A friend of mine said that uh, his son played with Keegan Watson at uh, New Pal and remarked about how how good, how clutch he was there. And uh, he gave you yet another taste of that over the weekend too, didn't he?
5: Oh, that seventh inning three-run homer, was it, it ended up being the difference. It was a huge at-bat. Um, and he's done that for us all year. He's had a lot of clutch hits. Uh, been a really, really solid player in our program.
1: So, Mitch is the head coach of Indiana State, is with us. So, what are you going to do? Have you thought about um, the starter? Do you know where you're going as far as this super regional game one is concerned, whomever it might be against?
5: I've was. i I've been kicking that back and forth here as I've been watching uh, both these clubs the last couple of hours. Um, not ready yet to say how we're going to line up. Um, obviously, obviously, game one is important, but it's not do or die. I know if you look at what some of the clubs have done when people have a really good number one starter that they throw, they kind of throw off and, and try to win uh, games two and three. Which again is not the best for your heart ticker by any means, right. but sometimes a, a, a very good strategy. Um, you just hate to waste a really good arm. If you're, we did it against Iowa, but we were in game two. Um, we kind of set it up so we would have Finlong in that second game uh, because we we figured that would be Brecht. Um, so it, it's going to be matchups and looking at how someone else is going to line their pitching, and hopefully we have a chance to make our decision after they've they've put their rotation out.
1: Yeah, Mitch, a live look, by the way, TCU 7-4 over the 3 seed Arkansas right now, top of the eighth inning um, as they go right there, and that would uh, be your matchup. Man, that would be disappointing. I I know you're not concentrating on that right now. I guess it'd be disappointing to me because I was gonna go if it would go be over there um but yeah that's that's tough if you guys have to go on the road for one that you should be hosting that'll bum me out a little bit now the whole thing is great, but that that portion of it will be a bit of a bummer. I can't lie
5: yeah yeah that's that may be a tough one, but the bottom line is we gotta figure out. Yeah. Uh, how to beat if it's TCU, we've got to figure out how to win two games.
1: Yeah, a little bit about TCU for those out there that don't know too much about that team. You mentioned how hot they are, arguably the hottest going on right now, uh, still playing baseball. What stands out and what has stood out about them against a team in Arkansas that's really good and it has been all Horn Frogs so far?
5: Yeah, it's really uh, – the tough part for me is trying to get a feel of Arkansas. Um, we played Missouri State late in a three-game series at Missouri State and after we played Keith Gutton, a longtime head coach there at Missouri State uh, told me that he felt like our club was better than Arkansas who they just played a couple of weeks prior um, so I'm trying to get a gauge of how good Arkansas is you know in, in terms of watching and the way they're playing but uh, TCU the last week and a half whatever it was I, I I believe they went through the Big 12 conference tournament and they had one game that was under eight runs maybe Eight or ten runs, and then they opened up with two shellackings in the uh, regional. Yeah. So they are scoring a ton of runs, and so I was paying close attention to see if they were relaying signs or anything was going on. Usually, when you're scoring that many runs against good pitching, um, they may have something.
1: Yeah. So you so, c- you couldn't tell whether or not that that they knew what was coming.
5: I I couldn't. I couldn't and I probably wouldn't tell you right here right now if I did that's I feel cool. like they had something but uh, I, obviously you got to really pay attention when teams are scoring a bulk of runs when you, when you give up 20 and you've got first and second rounders on the mound that's that's usually a sign that something's not adding up
1: how difficult is it or or maybe even so how often do you find in you know a, a weekend series and a re, can these teams pick up the signs or Pitches being tipped as quickly as this?
5: It's unbelievable. You know, we, we just playing Iowa, Iowa has a team of 20 analytical people who scour over the videos um, to see if they can find anything. You know, if it's a some, if your pitcher maybe is tipping something the way he hold his, holds his glove, maybe he's taking a grip in, maybe. So these these guys that sit in a room and watch video after video after video they're working really hard to steal your offensive signs, your 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 pitcher's pitches, him and may, they may even get him from the catcher. The way he sets up, is he a little wider on off-speed, just all of that stuff. It's just it's amazing how much you have to prepare um, to play the game of poker, so to say, on the field. Because if you're giving anything away, teams have just too much going on within their scouting right now that they're going to pick up. No, we don't have that at isu i can't tell you we have an analytical department or a a video department anything like that it's basically you know our four coaches going through the stuff but uh yeah it's 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 really a a thing right now in college baseball Uh,
1: now how often do you recognize your team Kind of you know, losing that that focus with the signals, or pitchers tipping their pitches, or the catcher not, or setting up the same way every time to kind of give that away. How often do you notice that with your group?
5: We we still have it. I mean we we watch it all fall, and we have other pitchers watching pitchers, and we and and you know when you're in a fall or you're in a game that's going pretty well, you you can multitask and kind of take care of that. What happens when guys get in trouble? They they revert back. When, they're, when their brain is basically flatlining up there and they're just kind of trying to survive because they've gotten punched, you really don't think about all that other stuff. You're in fight mode, and and uh, sometimes the the brain shuts down a little bit and it's grab it and throw it and grab it and throw it. And that's when you get into habits and tendencies that other people pick up on.
1: You know, it's funny you bring that up. A friend of mine Drew Storen, who is a former major leaguer, uh, and this was when he had his stint with the Nationals, his dad was uh, you know, a, a guy that I worked with, Mark Patrick, who's you know phenomenal in in broadcasting, basically nationwide, but certainly here in the state of Indiana. Um, watched every single game Drew was playing in. Um, and watched it from a room alone. And Drew told me the story once upon a time that his dad was the one that realized he was tipping his pitchers to the opposition. Nobody with the Nationals did. Nobody in their analytics department did. None of the coaches did, but his dad noticed yeah. what he was was doing. So it, it it's amazing how that can happen. And you know what, Mitch, it's it's an amazing advantage you get when you even somewhat know or believe that easier you can guess right what is coming, how much again of an advantage that is.
5: Yeah. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. And you know, it's, it's interesting. You bring up a parent, you know, I say to our players all the time, your parents have watched every move you've made for your, your entire life. Yeah. They probably know when something's out of whack with your swing, just as quickly as we do, or with your pitching mechanics or with anything else. I mean, if, if they have a background or they understand the mechanics, it can be very helpful. Um, hundred percent
1: it's uh incredible are you having more fun right now than you did as the president of lincoln trail <laughs>
5: um, i'm having a lot more fun yeah yeah I, I don't know that i would wish that upon anybody oh wait a
1: minute you didn't have a good time down in robinson illinois the home of the heath bar i had no idea i thought it would be a well, good time
5: it, it was you know i kind of got pressed into that our our ad had to take a leave of absence and she asked me if i would step in and kind of hold the fort down for a little while she was having health issues and so i right. i stepped in and i couldn't get out then so i ended up being there uh two and a half years did
1: did that help you with anything that you're doing right now as a coach
5: yeah helped me a lot i you know i've always preached to young players you gotta you gotta get out of your comfort zone and that was a realization for me that i had never been out of mind um and so it was quite an adjustment um it was way over my ability to, it was way above my brain. I, I knew I had to get out of there at some point. I wasn't smart enough for the job, but it took me out of a comfort zone that I had lived in. And, and, uh, that was really good because I think that's one thing you say to players, but I, I really feel for players much more now when I see them uncomfortable, I feel like I do a better job of coming in and saying the right thing. Um, as opposed to just telling a young guy to toughen up.
1: Yeah, but just it's incredibly common. Are you are you harder on your players or yourself for what you would deem mental mistakes on the field?
5: I, I think the the first the first we don't have a ton of mental mistakes. We really don't. We do have them once in a while, and I, and I don't like them. I I never go out on the field and embarrass a player. Don't believe in it. I, I think it's just wrong. I don't think uh, the people in the crowd, they, they either know you coach or know you don't coach. You don't have to walk out on the field and act like you're coaching every game day. But I, I think when, when games end, the first person you look at is yourself. You look at all the calls you made. You go through maybe the pitch calling because I'm heavily involved in that. You go through you know, what we try to do offensively, maybe stealing at a certain time, hitting and running at a certain time. So you go through all of that before you even start thinking about the players. Um, and and even the positioning, you know, some of that stuff we kick ourselves because maybe we, we, we tried to shift a little bit and maybe shouldn't have. And it's worked out for us a lot. But there's still those things you go back to as a coach and you look within more than on the outside. Our job is to put these guys in a position to win. And, yeah, that's, yeah, that's. You're frustrated when you don't do that.
1: Th- this has been so cool talking to you and, and getting some insight that obviously we would rarely, if ever, get around here. And I, I could not be more proud of the job and you and your players have done. Here's to keeping that going. Here's to making sure the the trail of of liquor still ends up on your your front porch. <laughs> <laughs> we're there too and here's uh here's the Terra Hode it, it's been just enjoyable to watch what you guys have accomplished and regardless of if you end up going to uh you know Dallas or whenever um, the best of luck to you we're all going to be watching you're making a lot of fans and certainly a lot of a lot of friends of the show around here in Central Indiana and Indianapolis with how you've described your team and what you've talked about being a coach and with this success and here's the more to come Mitch I'll appreciate your time as always the best of luck
5: appreciate you buddy take care yeah we will stay
1: in touch mitch hannes is the head coach of indiana state he is just an awesome conversation my man is transparent as hell i love that now not transparent enough to tell me exactly what iowa was learning about their signals with their analytics department man is he good he is so good and a lot of you apparently were right. It didn't look like Indiana State's going to get a chance to even, because right now TCU looks like they're going to win that game. That would normally mean Indiana State, as a higher seed, would get to host the Super Regional. But as you could tell at the outset of that conversation, it did not sound like that was at all going to be the case. Uh, that's too bad. I hey, got an update for you regarding IU and Kentucky coming up. And we'll get you an update on TCU in Arkansas. Last check, TCU up three runs, 7-4, bottom of the eighth inning. And that means the Horned Frogs would move on to be the competition of Indiana State. But again, it doesn't look like that Indiana State is going to have the opportunity to host in Terre Haute. Mitch mentioned that it was up to the committee. We got that story and the latest on the Colts. No names yet. But a bad story swirling around the Colts right now involving a Colts player described as not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. Investigated for gambling on games and evidence the player placed hundreds of wagers, including bets involving the Colts. That according to Sports Handle, the Action Network, and the Colts even had a uh, statement responding to it a little bit earlier as well quick break we'll get you updated on that and a lot more and the news where you can watch iu in kentucky later on tonight as well coming up next
0: the ride with jmv if somebody gets in your face and calls you a i want you to be nice 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
1: All right, 50 Cent tickets, number 9 at 239-1070 is going to go on us. All week long, we have 50 Cent for you. 50 Cent in town back in the uh, wintertime. Going to a couple of Pacer games, taking pictures with everybody. This is 50 Cent and a show, number 9 at 239-1070 will be going. And that is it. Everybody's kinda of taking uh the Jake Quarry and I conversation. I just saw this. The consistency on the, uh, the consensus on the Colts Gambling Report Um is that quote the player is not considered a star, but the average fan has likely heard of him. And um is quoting Jake Quarry a little bit early on this show as saying a what he had heard was a defensive player with a great opportunity. Of course, that's what Jake said on here a little bit earlier. So we shall see. But that is the latest regarding uh, the Colts and and what is going to be. Like I said earlier, uh, the proverbial hammer is going to fall. And fall heavily. You saw what happened to Calvin Ridley a year long, out, whomever this is, see you later. By the way, Mitch Hannis was just on the head coach of Indiana State. He had mentioned that you really look into teams that are scoring runs in bunches as in double digits and wonder if they're getting signs and such. TCU has just scored their 12th run of the game against Arkansas. They are now cruising on into the Super Regional. And as Mitch had mentioned, the hottest team in college baseball, the way that they've been playing lately, 12-4 to right now. And the unfortunate part of this, it does not appear that even though they're the higher-seeded team, Indiana State will get to host the Super Regional. We shall see. It goes, according to Mitch Hannes, the Sycamore head coach, to a committee. But he did not sound like it was going to be likely. Mitch Hannis, by the way, podcast 1075thefan.com. He was great. So was Trace Jackson Davis working out for the Pacers earlier. Jake Quarry. I was just talking about that quote a little bit earlier. Evan Sidery of Basketball News also there. James, great job out of you. More on this Colts gambling related story with a player being reported. More on that coming up on tomorrow's show. IU Kentucky tonight. You can actually see it. I believe ESPNU is where it's going to be this evening. Check it out. Everything for you coming up tomorrow at 3. Be back here with me. YouTube Live, great job today, too. Thanks a lot.